good afternoon. How are you guys tonight? Good. Okay. Um, welcome to Team Converse Live. You could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you chose to be here today. Um, my name is Zayla Perryman. I should probably, I know I should probably be doing my homework right now. <laughs> I'm practicing my really rock, but um, but I wanted to support my dad tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for my father, aka my best friend, aka Mr. T in Congress, Tyrone Perry. <laughs> Dallas, besides being knowledgeable and polo and footwear or whatever, 
is you guys' relationship on the podcast. Um, Thank you. So, so I definitely wanted to explore a little bit of that tonight. Um, <laughs> so when I extended the invite, you know, Dallas said that you were a little nervous, that you had reservations. What, what, what was that about? <laughs> I, <laughs> well, um, first off, we usually record the podcast in a lot less clothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <we'll talk. laughs> um, and uh, I guess, and you probably you know this, and I'm sure mm-hmm. anybody else out there who kind of does this, is that it's a very different feeling when you're just you and the mic, or me and Dallas and the mic, um, and you just, you know, you talk and you put things out there and you hope people enjoy it, right. and it's a little bit different when you're kind of directly in front of your audience potential audience and you start thinking more about the things that come out of your mouth true but I wasn't really really nervous oh, okay all right gotcha yeah, deeply vouch for you yeah. so we're good we're good now. yeah I mean today he tweeted something that made my day it actually made me <laughs> more nervous than I already was to begin with but um yeah, he told me. Well, now I won't say what he told me, but it, it no, was, now you have to tell uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he just said uh, that 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 uh, TN Converse was the best podcast that he'd ever like recorded. Ooh, so, nice. <laughs> so that was very humbling because uh, he has a lot of work in the streets. Like you know, he's 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 uh, done a lot of good interviews. Um, my personal favorite is the Fan Bros episode mm-hmm. um, with, with with Sean Price, but. Uh, yeah, um, so I guess what I want to start with you guys is, uh, well, it's a lot. That last episode was really fucking good, actually. Um, <laughs> it probably my favorite. Um, Thank you. Just the amount of ground that you guys covered, you guys went from talking about a black burlesque troupe to Thurgood Marshall and Spike Lee and just tying together all of these layers. Um, so I guess... We could start with uh, you guys. Like, how did you meet? I guess. Yeah, let's, 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 let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. Shall, shall, we, shall we jump in? Yeah, let's do let's, yeah. Where did you want to And it's both of you guys' story the same. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm the, I'm the rack on tour. So, so I'm, I embellish a little more. But the, the story was uh, one July 4th weekend in 2004. I went to a, a nightclub, an out-closed nightclub in uh, the meatpacking district called APT Apartment. And it was a Friday night party uh, where Molly Marl and Pete Rock were the residents um, for that party. And I went there because a bunch of my friends, music industry guys, just guys I grew up with, were going to be there. And we wanted to just make a night of running around the city. And so that was the first stop. So I went there to meet them. And one of my buddies went to Stony Brook with CS. So he introduced me to her as a school buddy. And I tell her later on, like when she said hello, she winked at me. (laughs) (laughs) She totally winked at me. So I was like, all right, you know, whatever. That happens. (laughs) You know, this is the life I live. So the following night, um, I'm at uh, the Brooklyn Museum of Art for their first Saturday. And um, so I see her at first Saturday. And I say, hey, you know, we met last night at APT. You know, you're my buddy's uh, friend from college. She said, oh, okay, sure, yeah, I remember you. So let's let's have a dance. Right. I said, let's have a dance. So we danced, and you know, that was cool and whatnot. And um, later on, 
when the night was over, uh, she was out in front of the museum. Just it was a beautiful night, nice, clear, not really steamy July night, nice, crisp and clean. And she was sitting uh, in front of the museum uh, on, on basically like a ledge uh, that they have kind of in front of the museum. It's kind of like a bench ledge. So I approached her and I uh, started massaging her feet. Telling her that she danced really well, and I said, I, "You know, you dance so well." I said, "You could use a, a foot massage right now because your shoes are real pretty, and you know, I know they're hurting your feet." You know, so she was just like, "Okay, hot shot." You know, thank you. Now walk me home, and I was like, "This happens. <laughs> this, is, this is the life I live. Right, right. The life I live." <laughs> So I walk her to her house, which I thought would be several blocks away. But I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm thinking like, okay, like, you know, I'm kind of like protection and, you know, boom, you know, we're Brooklyn and, you know, it's nice to, to be accompanied by someone, you know, walking home that you're not, you know, stag and stuff. But anyway, she lived right across the street. So it wasn't a long walk. And um, so then I just, you know, let her into her house. You know, nice, uh, nice building, doorman building, you know. Fancy black guy. I said, oh, fancy. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, the following night, I'm at a friend's barbecue. Oh, and, and so, yeah, so you agree with everything at this point besides the, the, the wink? Yeah. He's, he's mostly in the realm oh, of reality. Okay. He's, good. Right. he's good. He's doing good so far. He's okay. The following night, I'm at a friend's barbecue. That, you know, my friend is uh, Kita and her husband, DJ Spinner. And they would have a rebel cookout uh, July 4th weekend. And uh, they would have it at this, in this backyard on Washington Avenue in, uh, in Bed-Stuy, Clinton Hill, Fort Greene, whatever you want to call, whatever. Yeah, does anyone know what it's called anymore? The new Brooklyn. I was going to say, depends on what decade you're in. Boundaries keep moving. Right, right, right. State brokers are calling it Stuyvesant Heights. Yeah, that's the that's I, Washington, right next to the BQE. I wouldn't call that Star Heights. They they got a long fancy name for that now. That's like Fort Green Gardens, <laughs> <laughs> something now. So anyway, I'm at this barbecue, and my friend Keita's like, "Yo, listen, do me a favor, hold the gate down for us, so that no stragglers roll up in here. Just let our people come and come inside." So I'm like, "Dope," you know. And so anyone that came down the block that wanted to come into the, to the cookout, of course I'm letting our people in, but I'm not letting anyone in empty handed. So <laughs> brothers are coming down the block, and I'm like, listen fam, you don't have a six pack, man. You just can't walk into someone's house empty handed. Go up to the bodega and get a six pack. Right. And people was like, what? I'm like, no, for real. <laughs> I mean, for real. So it was like, fine, 17, whatever, but going up to the bodega, coming down, and um, she comes down the block, CS comes down the block with two of her girls. Comes out of, you know, sauntering down the block. And I'm like, oh, snap. Like, her homegirl is stalking me. <laughs> okay, I put that in the not category. Oh, all right, all right. He's very no post Yeah, man. <laughs> so I told them they couldn't come in empty-handed. They had to go up to the bodega and get, like, a bag of chips or something. I said, you know, I said, you know, y'all respectable-looking ladies would never come to someone's house empty-handed, you know? And they was like, all right. <laughs> when the block got some chips, then I let him in. That's when I told her she was stalking me. Yeah. And she tried to deny it, but I live this life, you understand? <laughs> <laughs> so, fine. That happens. And later that week, I drive, um, 
my day job for the city, I'm a construction project manager. And I had a bunch of projects in and around uh, Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn area. Um, that's all around, but, but basically around the, mu- the museum, right. renovation had been one of my projects. Anywho, I stop by Homegirl's crib and I leave an envelope with some poetry and a mixtape. <laughs> leave that with the doorman. Like, boom, I just left that there, you know, with a little note. You know, didn't even leave my phone number. Yeah. Just have an email address. And I said, boom, she gets it, she digs it, she'll email me, boom. Yeah. And uh, she emailed me back and... Immediately? A couple days? A couple weeks? I, I would say <laughs> to, the, the beauty of it, in a few days, in a few days, but there was, you know, there is no time and space on email. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you, you throw it up to the universe and, you know, whatever that, that cycle of, the, of that, that gravitational cycle is, it, it returns to you. Mm-hmm. It was a week later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she remembers, to me, it was like the following day. <laughs> to me, it was like a minute later. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and CS, what were your thoughts about the, the poetry and like just the random package? Uh, well, I mean, it, it stayed with me because it was kind of so unusual. It felt a little bit like a throwback. And um, all joking aside, I think one of the reasons why we ended up kind of finding ourselves so much in sync was that we realized um, before we even met that we were essentially in the same circles and had kind of been circling each other for a long time and just didn't know it. Um, And um, that was actually a really fun and kind of glorious summer because Dallas basically kind of went real old school, Cyrano de Bergiac on me, and just sent me letters. We didn't actually talk on the phone uh, that much at all. I think maybe we talked twice that summer. But we, um, he would send me letters. It was wonderful. And we would had a whole kind of correspondence via postcard and letter and email. And so we really got to know each other before we even went out on a first date, if you don't count that first weekend that we kind of ran into each other a couple times. So, um, you know, it left me left an impression. And, here we are. Mm-hmm. Ten no, years no, later. no. <laughs> <laughs> not, not almost here we are. Um, speaking of shout-outs, one of my good buddies to hear is Yeah, your, he was on like our first date, actually. <laughs> not, not, not even a real date, but a meetup. She and I had a meetup at this spot in Dumbo called Bubby's. Now, Bubby's was so ill because on Fridays, well, they had a happy hour every day, but, but I would go on Fridays because top shelf was half price. Mm-hmm. So you could get two Belvedere and tonics for $10, something just ridiculous, say $10. And it was a tall glass and it was a strong glass. <laughs> so, you know, literally $20, you would be twist rock <laughs> early. I mean, it was $10 with tip because it was $4 or whatever, it was crazy. <laughs> we up in there getting bent. So I was like, okay, you know, we had a meetup at, at Bubby's. I had to hear in his um, his lady meet us there because I was like, boom, I'm gonna vet homegirl through these cats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because like, you know, while I'm talking to her, they can, you know, see her reaction, see, you know, what she's looking like and stuff like that. And I had this bomb ass night plan. <laughs> where after Bubby's, 
Um, even though we would be slightly twisted, we were gonna go to the Delacorte Theater at Central Park for a, a show with uh, Michelle in the, I can never pronounce her name. And most definitely, <laughs> most definitely Black Jack Johnson. So I was like, boom. And then after that, we was gonna go downtown for Spinner and um, Rich Medina yes. doing a Fela. Fela James Brown party. Nice. So I just had a, a whole night of just getting down, playing. So we went to Bubby's and we had a great conversation. We had a great time. And I'm like, boom, come on, let's go to this Mo Steph show. I mean, I got backstage access. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do it up. And she was like, yeah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I was like, because you live that lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whatever. I was like, she's smart. She must be like, you know, whatever. So, anywho, I, we let that go. But I, I kind of felt a little like, well, maybe not. You know, we have these great conversations. And, you know, she is incredibly, uh, more than well-read. But, I mean... If you've ever been turned on by words, yeah. um, I'm absolutely turned on by people's vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Like that's the, the sexiest thing to me. Like when someone just has words that I gotta look up. And you guys do a little bit of that on the, on the podcast. Like mm -hmm. every, every week I feel like you guys are going back and forth with like, well, actually, you had a, a hard time this week, Dallas, um, <laughs> enunciating or pronouncing a, a few different uh, words. Yeah, 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 I was. It be happening sometimes. <laughs> I, I have it in my head, but the, the lips, the lips are too. My lips are too Brillo pad, like my man Sean Price would say. <laughs> Can't get the word out. So, so how does that turn into? I guess what is. What, nine, ten years? Actually, we're at 11. 11? Yeah. yeah. It, well? It, it turned out, we got, we got past it. Basically, I kidnapped him for a weekend in the woods, slipped the Mickey in his drink, and we woke up 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, sort of, it's true. Um, <laughs> to hear knows, he's heard the story. Um, you know, what you hear on the podcast is how we are all the time, and we really do feel like we just kind of were lucky in that, A, we found each other, and B, that we slipped into this real comfortable vibe. Um, and by comfortable, I don't mean um, static, because I think both of us are kind of forward moving people, and we also push each other all the time to kind of go outside of our personal comfort zones. but. Um, comfortable in the sense that um, there's absolute kind of certainty that um, we have each other's backs and we always have the other person's best interest at heart and with those two things you kind of can go anywhere right. and so you know every day we're just kind of like wow it's so cool that we're here right now in this moment with each other um, and so I guess the podcast kind of evolved out of that feeling of um, wanting to be there with each other and see what other people thought about it as well. Right. Um, so, so one of the more popular questions in the podcast world in 2015 
Um, it's like, where's Premium Pete on the combat platform, <laughs> right? But prior to that being the most popular question, in 2014, it was, where's Dallas? Yeah. So did you guys get to the point of the podcast to, for you to kind of fill that void of, of, being, of not being on the Combat Jack show anymore, Dallas? Or, or did it originate some, some other way? Like, what were those early conversations like when you guys were thinking about doing it? He had to convince me. He okay. Did. He did have to convince me. Um, like everyone else, I'm a huge Dallas Penn fan. Right. The character. Yeah. Um, he's not like this all the time. That would be impossible. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, and was a fan of Dallas on the Combat Jack show, and a fan of the Combat Jack show. Um, and we were, you know, he would always say, you know, like, we should, we should do something. We should do something together. And we should, and I was like, eh, I don't know. You know, like, what do we have to talk about that people really be interested in? But he, he kind of really showed me that that was possible. And I think, I mean, you should answer the question about what it does for you. But I, I do think it kind of fills the space that with him leaving the Combat Jack show, um, you know, needed to be filled for him. Dallas loves interacting with his audience? For, for years, um, my best editor um, through my, my published uh, writing had been CS, unknown to m most people. Mm -hmm. uh, without her, I would have never opened, a, I would have never had the DallasPen.com weblog. Right. Um, she built it, uh, she, she did all the things. Just from reading, you know, reading my writing and just seeing how um, passionate I was about putting my ideas out. She put that together. And this was, this was kind of a way for me to, to say thank you to her and to kind of give people, uh, return my voice, I feel like, to people. Because a bunch of people were telling me, and not a lot of people, five, ten people were telling me, man, listen, I miss hearing your voice. Yeah. So it was a way to return my voice. You're, you're being modest, man. Like, I, even now, I, I, I like see to say, people like... I should say 12 people. <laughs> 12 people. And when I say 12 people, I mean, I don't mean 12 people, but I mean the 12 tribes of humanity. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and you, you fall into one of those groups. And... But that was, once you get to the, once the 12 tribes of humanity speak to you, then you, you know you have to answer them, you have to reply to them. Yeah. And um, so it was a way to bring my voice back, but also a way to kind of, to kind of temper my voice with someone who is sane, someone who is serious and smart. And, and I was just like, man, you know, this is, you know, this is going to be a nice balance when we, when we finally hit our rhythm, when we finally hit our stride. Plus, I feel like, you know what, I mean, why not? Why can't, real talk, this lady and I have been around each other basically for most of our adult lives, whether it was being at a, a James Brown party, a Stevie Wonder party, um, a screen, an outdoor screen. I have been around her for years. And because at that time in my life, I didn't know what I wanted for my life, mm -hmm. I missed her. I, I, walked past her and it to me was just so remarkable that like she and I could have been together for 30 years now since teenagers right. almost but um and, and when I think about that it's, it's just it's, it's exciting to me and in this huge city this huge universe um, I always tell people that like yo the world is huge it's tremendous 
but the people that, that feel the cosmic rays under the same frequency, the same cosmic hum, those people find each other. You find each other in, in, in the things you like, in the way you dress, in the way you, you commit, in, in the way you just live your life. You find those people. Yeah. Damn, Dallas, man, we got other people coming on after you. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 taking, he taking us deep right now. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. But, but this was a way to, to bring my voice back. Um, I feel like just, just, to, just to connect to folks and to also give people uh, a view of uh, my better side mm -hmm. so that people know I'm not a real official Bonafide douchebag. <laughs> I just play one on the internet occasionally. Um, CS, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so Dallas has a, I don't know if we call them obsessions or not, but mm -hmm. you know, Polo. Uh, They're definitely obsessions. Yeah. <laughs> for wait, like which which one which of those do you? <laughs> I don't want to forget that you, you like the most, you you don't, you, like, which one bothers you the least, or which one do you yes. put up with better, or like, what, yeah, what which one of those well, do, do you uh, you deal with the best? Um. <laughs> oh, what's his, what's, his, what's, his, what's, his, what's his worst obsession? Well, not worst, but like his biggest obsession, right? I guess, um, well, you know, and this is it's gonna sound like I'm ducking the question, but I'm really, I'm really not. Yeah. Um, I actually just enjoy how nuts he is <laughs> about his various obsessions. I mean, it was a huge adjustment when we started living together to realize how much space all the shoe boxes and the polo collections take up, and I. Can I tell them the story about the uh, the true story? Yes. Okay. Yes. So when we were first dating, at some point, kind of maybe a year or so into it, I was at his apartment, and he's kind of giving me a peek into some of his, you know, uh, collections and his interests. And he had been kind of rolling these things out in bits and pieces, <laughs> but I didn't really understand the scope of it. All right. And so, you know, I'm at the apartment, I'm kind of starting to get a real sense of what's going on, because he's got, you know, everything organized by color, by bins, by year. There's sneakers in the fridge. There's no food in the fridge. I mean, <laughs> very, very serious. And I'm going, okay, you know, all right, let's see what this is about. Yeah. And he pulls out this box, and he says, I have to show you something. And I'm like, okay, what is this? And he had just kind of introduced me to the polo, the bear sweaters, you know, that have like the polo bear on it and it's in various poses. And he was showing me his whole collection. He had one from this year and one from that year and what it meant and how rare it is or what have you. Mm -hmm. And then he pulls out this box and he unwraps this thing in tissue paper, which is basically like a baby polo bear sweater. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you have, why, why do you, is there something you're trying to tell me? Like, do you have like a hidden child somewhere I don't know about? He's like, no, no, I just, you know, it it's, goes with the big one that I have. And I go, okay. <laughs> and then he goes further into the box and he pulls out a pair of like, were they Jordans? Uh, no, they're, they're, uh, those are Nike shocks. Nike sneakers. shocks. Running sneakers. Also baby size. And I'm like, 
okay. And he's like, yeah, I, I, I have a matching pair. And so basically this box just starts to like spit out baby versions of everything right. that he has. And I'm like, oh my God, you have a baby trousseau. <laughs> and at that point, I'm trying to decide whether or not I actually want to stay. <laughs> I'm a little freaked out by it. Uh, but obviously I did, and we had conversations about it. And I guess the point was is that he's so sincere mm -hmm. in his appreciation of and excited about the things that he collects and the things that he's into. It's hard not to get... Um, kind of caught up in the enthusiasm, even if you don't share them, right? right? And so I was never that kind of collector. I was, um, as a kid, more of a bookworm, I'm kind of a little bit of a nerd. Um, and so I had lots of books. Mm -hmm. So I certainly understand the impulse to um, collect and hold and treasure things that mean something to you. I just had never been exposed to it in any context outside of kind of, you know, books or maybe art or music. Mm -hmm. My father and my parents had a huge music collection, tons of LPs. And I just realized he was just as obsessive about his things as other people were about their things. Yeah. Um, so in a way, to come back to your question, um, there really is no worse, mm -hmm. you know. There's just, it's part of who he is. It's we figured out the space, you know. There's sometimes when I'm like, you cannot buy another sneaker this month. That's not <laughs> happening. Um, but, you know, otherwise, it's just, uh, he's so excited. It's hard not to be like, okay, you know, you do you and I do me and we'll work it out. Yeah. So. As far as like the baby sneakers and yeah. stuff, my friend Jared would uh, refer to that as planning for your future self. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I told that story to a couple of girlfriends, and they were like, and did you leave? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I know, but no, actually, I did find it sweet, and um, like you said, kind of planning for your future self. And that's honestly one of the things that um, I enjoy about Dallas, is that he's always kind of looking for it. He's kind of always, even before the wave, just right, on right. that next next. Um, and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from that. Because that's that propulsion, that's life, you know, that's mm -hmm. energy, and I feel like that's really important to have, because it's really easy to get stuck in whatever kind of day-to-day -day, um, kind of mires you down, mm -hmm. and uh, but that's not living. And I think Dallas really lives, and he lives wholeheartedly. That's very attractive. Mm -hmm. um, so we we talked a bit about having each other's back. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> so earlier this year, Dallas. Um, you had a foot infection um, that was pretty serious um, and it caused you to, I guess, kind of look at things a little differently. Um, are, you, are you totally out of the clear now? Or yeah. totally in the clear? Um, the, the foot's healed. The, the foot is healed up. Um, I, I changed my life. I changed my life with that infection. I mean, let's just say that I, I was in denial of my diabetic condition. <clears throat> In denial in the sense that, man, I knew my sugar blood count was bad and it was affecting other things in my life. And um, the infection just made me confront it and say, okay, you know what, I can't, you know, there's no getting around this anymore. It's here, it's right now. And uh, I got the shit scared out of me, frankly, too. I mean, because I, um, <laughs> because I have insurance, uh, I was in the hospital and these people were like, yo, we're going to get this foot. 
because this foot is, is worth a hundred thousand, a hundred fifty thousand dollars to the hospital yeah. in billing. And you, fatso, bad sugar, obese, not obese, but obese. Extra more fat. Like we're gonna get this foot. Like we're about to get paid. Thank you. And um, that just it it shook me. She, I called her up and I'm like, yo, I checked into the hospital. They're gonna do surgery on me tonight. Boom, she flew down to the hospital and she was like, yo, don't take no tests because I don't even know if your insurance is gonna cover that test. And then we're gonna have bills, thousand dollar bills. Boom, don't take no test. Wait till I get there. So they was trying to take me to a test. I'm like, no, y'all, I can't go to this test. My wife is getting there. <laughs> they was like, yo, you gotta take this test. I'm like, no, y'all can leave my wife get there. And I was just pushing them back. I was pushing them back, but they was coming, they was coming. And, um, but she got there in time and just like, yo, right literally in, as they about to slide into some kind of crazy contraption machine, she swooped in and just was like, yo, pull him out of there. You, pull him out of there. <laughs> And finally got me, I mean, they sent a wave of doctors after me to try to get me not to get out of, to sign out of the hospital. But we, we signed out, um, and she took me back home and just, like, you know, just got dead serious. I was like, all right, you know what? You know, you've been fucking around, but you knew you had to get your shit together. Now you got you to gotta follow my path, my path, my route now. And I was, you know, I was just like, all right, fine. And it was, it was hard body. Mm. It was hard body. It was no sugar, of course, uh, but it was no carbs. And I learned that, like, my real addiction, like, I, I stopped drinking alcohol. And I even stopped drinking sweetened drinks. That's, you could break that. Um, but bread and rice and pasta and potatoes, oh, shit. <laughs> I love that shit. That shit is, that shit is life. <laughs> but it, but it, it, for me, it would have been death. No. So, um, so we had to go hard body. How how close to you were? How close to you? How close were you to actually almost losing your foot? He was pretty close. I mean, if anyone is uh, follows Dallas on Instagram, he posted some really disgusting pictures. Yeah, that was, that was the worst sci-fi shit I've ever seen. It was, <laughs> and, let me tell you, and just to be clear, I would never recommend anyone taking out against medical advice if you don't have like a plan and doctors to help you. But, um, you know, we were, there's this thing that happens, right? And we all know about that, which is that you walk into spaces and as a black person or a person of color, you get treated differently. And I just felt when I got there that as a large black man who was, you know, obviously not feeling well, they just took one look at him and were like, oh, you know, we're just gonna do this. And there was no nuance, there was no explanation. I got there and I said, well, did they explain to you what the surgery is they're trying to wheel you into? And he was like, no. I was like, well, what, what is all this stuff they've got hooked up to you? I don't know. And I would ask, and like no one would give me a straight answer, and I just felt like that was more dangerous than trying to find someone else who could really treat him and would treat him like a person. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's kind of a common story, particularly when it comes to healthcare in urban centers, but um, we didn't just wing it. I mean, we had doctors and we had, we had lots of help. <laughs> 
but at the end of the day, it was really about kind of Dallas confronting, I think, his, the things that he didn't want to confront. Um, but it was very serious and really scary. And I think as a partner in that situation, um, you know, I think one of the things that we learned is that part of our responsibility to each other is to take care of ourselves. Because it's hard to be there and have your back if you're not there. Right. So, and that was, we were just about married a year, right? We're, At that time? We were approaching, just about. Yeah, so we were a month away from the first anniversary. It was, it was pretty intense, I would say. Uh, and I'm really grateful that Dallas is, you know, the type of person, and this is why I married him, but he's the type of person who, um, he deals with stuff, right. you know. I mean, he'll, he can put it off. There's a reason why he calls himself the Black Peter Pan. But, um, <laughs> but when push comes to shove, when things are real, he, he is very real, and he had the maturity and the wherewithal to just be like, okay, time to man up. Yeah. And that's really hard to do, you know. Um, I know that I've certainly been in situations where you have that kind of moment where you're like, you know, come to Jesus, whether it's about a professional thing or a personal thing. And denial is a real strong drug. <laughs> you know, it's real easy to get into that. And so I, I he likes to say that, you know, I, I swooped in and saved him, but I really think that, um, at the end of the day, it didn't matter what I did if he hadn't decided it was time to deal with it. And so it's, you know, Dallas did that. Yeah. He did that. And then so I won't keep you guys so much longer. I guess we'll end on this note. Like, and I think it's indicative of what you guys provide in your podcast, taking serious or scary things, whether it be racism, whether it be the economy or, you know, whatever. But still having the ability to um you know still laugh um and, and still live which and i say that to say you know given dallas's condition he definitely brought the crutches out <laughs> and attached those baby sneakers to match the sneakers that he he had on like, i was and, so mad yeah. <laughs> i was so mad <laughs> And, and, that, and that's why everyone loves Dallas, man. It's like, because even when the chips are down or things aren't looking up, like he found, he, he still got flour on his crutches. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, those, those baby Nikes came in. Came in handy, yeah. Came in yeah. handy. <laughs> All right, so, um, oh, what are you going to say something? I was just going to say, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, but again, man, it's always a pleasure sitting down with you, Dallas, and of course now you see us. Thank you. Um, who, did Dallas give you that name? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. This is, we'll finish on this story. All right. <laughs> and are we actually allowed to know your real name if we don't? Refrain <laughs> <to> <laughs> I mean, I refrain from asking just because I want to respect that space. Her, her name right now is Susan Penn. Right. Okay. All right. Her name right now is Susan Penn. That is my name. <laughs> well, now, now, we're now that we're married, that's your name. Uh, but you never get to choose your nickname. Yeah. Okay. You gotta just hope that you can fucks with it when they when they assign you a nickname. Yeah. Mine was Muffin Man. Yeah. <laughs> Muffin Man. Yeah. I, you know, I embrace that wholeheartedly. Man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember growing up. Uh, uh, 
in the neighborhood to hear. You remember Bubble Eye James? Yes. <laughs> now, he, he, was, he was too ignorant back then to know that James had a thyroid condition. Okay? But there was, there was someone else named James. He looked more regular. <laughs> so, Bubble Eye James became a dude's name. So, uh, she and I are, are, one afternoon, we're inside the food co-op in Parcel shopping, we're online waiting, and one of my boys calls me up, he's like, where you at now? I'm like, yo, I'm in a food car with my girlfriend. He was like, oh, you got you a snowflake. And I was like, no, I, I got me a chocolate snowflake. And um, it, Susan bristles at the nickname when I say chocolate snowflake, because she's like, ah. But understand that, that when I, when I came to meet her and came to, to kind of see how she lived, I was like, yo, homegirl is a member of the food co-op, and she gives to like save the whales. And she, like she gets, like you know when you give to charitable organizations and you get just hit with all the charitable organizations trying to come at you? And she's so well read. And I, I made the mistake that we do often as blacks of ascribing her value system um, to that of a snowflake, mm. all right? And snowflake, of course, white girl, okay? But that's just her value system, you know? And, and more often than not, really, the value system of generosity mm. is more often than not with black girls or black people. I mean, I've never uh, in my life had a neighbor that wasn't a black person that would give me a cup of sugar or, you know, let me go into their house to use their phone because I was locked out of my crib. Yeah. So it, it was kind of my mistake to, to ascribe a snowflake to her because of all her charitable organizations and her book collection. <laughs> He's since modified that explanation and told me, well, what did you say to me the other night? But it was because uh, oh, he said that it was because every snowflake is unique, and so I was like, all right, I'll buy that. Um, you know, I know what he means when he says it, so I, I don't bristle too much, but I, I do go by CS because right, right. I feel like other people kind of have that connotation, and it, it does bug me a little bit. Um, but it's okay, you know, you can't pick your, like you said, can't pick your nickname. I you know, that. you just, oh, you said that. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> <That's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, the truth is, is that, kind of just to follow up on what you said, you know, I've never knocked on a neighbor's door, no one's ever knocked on a, a person's door, a black person's door, and worried that, you know, they were going to get shot because they had a car accident or you know i mean maybe i wouldn't let you in the house but i'd let you stay on the porch <laughs> you know and so the idea that what bothers me about it is just what he said the idea that the things that i were raised with is good values is taking care of each other of having a community of reinvesting in that community um i think that's our, actually our original values and other people got them from us so um that's why I go by CS instead of chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. Right. All right, cool. 
Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for coming Thank out. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
everybody. Y'all good? Yeah. Yeah. I know we did not like this before. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's crazy you say that because I went to your show last week and I was like, yeah, now I want to sit down with you for an interview. He was like, hey, you want to do it right now? Like, you was ready. Uh, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Just as far as in front of people. Like, yeah. I did interviews before, but it's just like, I'm used to like rapping in front of people. Yeah. So it's different. <laughs> yeah. But I'm surprised though, man, that I'm not seeing a lot more ink on you, man. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I was searching. Like, uh-huh. I just find like these little posts with like your song or nah, whatever. Believe it or not, it's low key crazy. Yeah. It's low key crazy for 2016. I'm just real low key with it, you know? I try not to be uh, too uh, abrasive with my announcements. I try to like make more moves and less announcements. You know, it's like a saying. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I try to be like you know real low key until everything is really played out. So and eventually you gonna see some shit, man. That's gonna be crazy. Can I curse? Yeah, yeah. My daughter, um, my daughter always talks how my how my mom, my grandmother, curses like a sailor. So <laughs> she, she, she's definitely familiar with it. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't censor myself. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> now, so the first song that I heard of yours was the uh, uh, Brooklyn Where You At joint, which kind of yeah, yeah. pays homage and, and reference, references uh, the Nori and Pharrell joint. Uh-huh. It also references Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Put your hands on my eyes, can see. Hell yeah, that's my, like, one of my favorite songs. Favorite verses ever. Of, of yours or Buster's? No, me. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I, growing up, not to, like, the BK song, but, like, that put your hands where your eyes can see, like, as a kid, my mom always used to put me on, like, Shaka Zulu and shit, you know what I mean? She was real Pan-Africanist and, like, real pro-black. So, like, that video and the concept for it was just crazy for me. I was just like, yo, it was, like, glow-in-the-dark, like, fish islands and, like, the African culture, and it was just so dope. And, like... Like that video, Remember the Time, was like my two favorite videos as a kid. Because that African, like, you know, connection and shit. But yeah, it's one of my favorite songs. Um, so, so let's talk about this polish that I mentioned earlier. Like, I feel like a lot of people get beats and they rap on them. And to a degree, you know, that's that's cool. Like, I, I, like, I like people who, or some artists who do that. Um, but there's also something to be said about people who take more time in terms of concepts and different flows and stuff. So being so young, where does that even come from for you? I mean, I don't know, man. It's like I was always around music heavy, always a lot of culture. Like my mom's, like I said, she was mad into Nas and like Rock Kim, and my dad was like OD into Jay and Big, like. So like, it would be like legit when the, the beef with Jay and Nas happened, like at the dinner table, I was like in the middle of like my mom and my dad legit <laughs> arguing. <laughs> who, who thought, who, who thought, um, who had Jay, who had Nas? My, my dad had Jay. Cause my dad like a flashy dude. Like my dad my whole life. Like he knew Jay and shit. Like he knew Big, but like my, my dad my whole life always been a fly dude. Like to this day, you see my dad and I just left him. You feel me, like, he's fly, like, skinny jeans, all that, like, you do not know his age, so. Just being around him, he's always been the flashy dude, so that makes sense. My mom is always like, you know, she made sure all my birthday parties was like drum circles. So, <laughs> 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 like, Nas, man, that was, her, that was her dude, man. She used to ride out, it was a legit argument, like, my dad left. <laughs> 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 like an hour, came back. 
still kissing his teeth. <laughs> Ethan, I remember this when Takeover came out. It's a story. Like it was early in the week. It was like three days earlier. It was the day that 9/11 happened. So like for the first day, like nobody even cared. Like we was just like, yo, 9/11 just happened. But the next day, my dad was like, you at that Takeover joint? <laughs> Talking about your boy, y'all, it's crazy. <laughs> my mom was like, yeah, 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 whatever. So literally like three days or like a couple of weeks after how it went. But a little bit after that, Ethan comes out, and my mom was like, oh shit, this is fat. This right here is fat. That's how she told me at the time. She was like, yeah, yeah, your boy Nas been in his ass on this one. And I was like, yo, my dad, I, honestly, I never seen him felt the way like that. Like, my dad's a real composed, calm dude. He was like, he left, came back home. <laughs> I don't know what he did outside. He came back. <laughs> I had to burn one down. I don't know. So, so where did that leave you, though? What, what was your? I mean, I was always in the middle, like you know. what I mean, I was always listening to Nas. At first, nah, I, like, I mean, as far as the battle, though, did you oh. side with your mom or did you side with your dad? I ain't gonna front. It was whoever was buying me McDonald's. Buying <laughs> <laughs> me McDonald's, I ate a chicken win. I didn't care. I was I was always a ball player growing up. Like I didn't really, I, I didn't say I'm a, I didn't care. It was interesting to me, but I couldn't care. Like I'm only 21, so at that time I was like six. So like, I couldn't care like as much as I do now that I'm a rapper. And I like went back and studied it. But at the time, like I understood certain things. But I was like, at the time, I guess I was more into ether because. It was like Nas was really cutting his ass. Like it was like, oh, this is something I can laugh at. I didn't know the whole story, and I couldn't understand what Jay was talking about most of the time growing up. But my dad always played Blueprint, so I grew up like pretty much into it. But like I was more of the boy. I didn't really care unless it was DMX. Like DMX was my favorite rapper as a kid. DMX and like Method Man, whoever was the more live one, like Busta Rhymes. Like if I see this. I'm like, well, that did crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm sure <laughs> so, so you mentioned going back to like study. So what did that consist of for you? I mean, what, when I really got into rap, as far as rapping, it was like when Pat Poos first came out, like 05. So I remember with my first rhyme, it was like some gun bars. Like, it was like Smack DVD. Like, I got into like battle rapping. Like, it was like I'd be in the park, and I'll be playing ball, and then like once in a while, niggas will come up to me and be like, yo, split something. And like people be rapping, I'm just trying, like, because I was just a funny kid, like, growing up, I just cut people's ass all day, like, well, cut, I don't know if y'all know, but cutting ass in, in New York or Brooklyn, it means like uh, ranking or whatever, like, you know, like, mama jokes, all that. So I just started rapping with it, and like, Eight Mile as well, like, Eight Mile, like, whatever was battle rapping, because I was always competitive, I liked that, like, I was like, all right, cool. And I was around that era, like fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. I was like, all right. So I just started doing that. And then my first actual battle was with this like 17-year-old kid. I seen him recently. He used to play ball. He was nice. He could dunk in the park. He's like one of the only dudes dunking in the park. But he was like nice. Like everybody used to talk about him rapping. So then it was a bunch of my homeboys. They was like, yo, you could spit. Like, cause I already wrote my first verse, and it was like, yo, spit that verse. So he's battling me, but he's like freestyling. It's kind of whack. So I spit that verse in the whole park like crazy. Like I'm legit, I'm legit in front of like a, about a, it's like a, a gang meeting or two. Like, <laughs> like, it was like everybody there, the whole hood was there. So I did that in front of the whole hood. Girls was there, like it was lit. Like <laughs> the first time I ever felt like a celebrity. Ever since then, I like I like that feeling. Like I like that feeling of people like hearing what I'm saying and like 
thinking it's good, you know? So, ever since then, yeah, really, like, and then Wayne, that was a whole nother level to it. Like, when Lil Wayne, like, 06, like, and then 06, 07, that's when, like, Pat was supposed to drop and I sent me my dream and I was waiting for it. I was like, yo, I'm tired of hearing this nigga old songs. And Wayne was just killing and dropping a mixtape every week and I was just like, yo, I ain't gonna front. Wayne is that dude. So then, yeah, Wayne. And a little bit after that, Lupe Fiasco. So that's how it went. It was like Pat, Lupe, of course the greats like Styles P, but I was just listening to that. But what really inspired me was like Lil Wayne at that time, Lupe and Pat. Yeah. Nah, I'm impressed by like your ability to like recount it the way, like I mean, you ask people like what a studying consists of, and you hear you hear like nah, I was listening to that it was written, mm-hmm. I was listening to that Illmatic that ready to die or whatever. But mm-hmm. the fact that you have such very um, oh, yeah. influences and that you can pinpoint the years, and shit. like I, I, oh, to yeah. me it's so emotional, man. Like I can't. Be like, yo, in 08 or whatever, 07. <laughs> yo, I can legit remember the first time I heard it, I Rule the World. Like, legit. Like, see, like, because everywhere, every song that I hear, I could remember the moment where I first heard it. Like, so, like, if that's I That's the drum circles, man, that your mom was looking up. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. I said, yeah, yeah, man. Loki, she built me for this. Like, yeah. she tried to make me go to college, and I was like, look, you did this. <laughs> you started this. All right, I'm just finishing it. But, yeah, so, like, if I ruled the world, the first time I ever heard that, I was like, uh, like probably like three, like like ninety six. I, I just remember being in a car seat and watching, like we was driving down Times Square and I could see the lights like passing. What I see as like Times Square now, and I remember the first time I heard that. Matter of fact, it was the West Side Highway on Bucking, because it was like a little Coca Cola sign across by Queens across the river, and I was literally looking at that. And I'm like, that's why I could remember the song. The real shit. <laughs> but yeah, so like with every song that I hear, I legit like remember like a moment. So I kind of know the year because it's like I I ain't lived that much longer. <laughs> if I can't remember years, I'm, I'm doing too much out here. <laughs> so so I mentioned BK Way that um, was the first song that I heard of yours, and I guess that was over the summer, or a little bit before the summer, maybe spring. Um, how much like when was your first? song recorded, professional song recorded, or how much longer before BK where you at, where you actually like in the studio, mm-hmm. concepts, songs, writing? I would say for the last two years before, the two years before that, like 2011 is when I was like, all right, I'm gonna start like rapping. Cause I had dropped out of school for the like second time. And I remember just being like, all right, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go to alternative school, I'm gonna go get a trade and I'm gonna rap. You know? Ironically, at the time, there was a song called I Deli Out, right? This is Diamond Dozen. This is a part of 1160, my crew 1160 at this moment. He was from Phony People. Uh, He was was on Phony People at the time. And Sheriff PJ, which was one of the features on that song, like, you know what I mean? So uh, I ended up going to school, signing up for this alternative school. My mom went to sign me up, and I, like, we was waiting in line, and I was like, yo, mom, I'm going outside to go smoke. I can't take this. So I walk outside, she was tight. Walk outside, end up going to the park, and right there where I'm about to smoke is Sheriff PJ. Like, they're like, man, I'm listening to this song for that week. Like, literally that morning I watched the video for like the third time, and I was like, the song is so fire. Ended up meeting him, like right then and there. Like, wow, that's crazy. So, well, we didn't meet right then and there, we ended up going to class. It was like some weird alternative school called City Eyes. 
We had like Mandarin. <laughs> we had like Mandarin classes. So I ended up sitting down and then he ended up sitting right next to me. He was so like, you said he has right there uh, by the bridge? Yeah, yeah, nah, nah, nah. We used to bridge. That's when the Brooklyn line got shut down for a little bit. So I ended up going to the one at Greenwich Village. Oh, okay, yeah, right there on uh, uh, Central 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 Beach. Right, yeah, yeah. So, me and my boy, where, and where you at? <laughs> I see, yeah, come on, no front. Oh, where yeah. you at? Yeah. Yeah. I see you, bro. Yeah. You know about that park. Yeah. You know about that park. Yeah, man. He was rolling dice with some kid, man. Kid wanted to run it back because he beat him for his money, man. I was like, yo, Ant, come on, man. Don't do that, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was embarrassing, man. He told me I made about $500 in that park, man. I love it. I was like, I used to go to school with $2 come up in that park. Sometimes go down, but it was lit. Yeah, see, you from, from Brooklyn too, man. I, word, word, word. Yeah, I, I had to be like, yo, we got to get out of here, man. What you doing, man? But yeah, my fault, go ahead. Yeah, man, it was lit, man. I just ended up being PJ. He was in Mandarin class. He turned around and looked at me and said, hey, yo, bro, got a pencil? I was like, yeah, whatever. Gave him a pencil. We ended up like chilling, just talking. We went to lunch, and then at the time at lunch, I used to go to the liquor store. Cause I always had like a little facial hair, so like my whole life I looked like I couldn't get caught it. So people used to ask me to go get shit, go get shit. I went to go get a Henny bottle, start sipping. And we in the park, just freestyling. We spent like two periods. I, get, I mean, like lunch, been past. We just freestyling. Little did I know, he got like his camera on his computer, like recording me. So then he stopped me in the middle of my freestyle. He's like, "Yo, bro, nice." I was like, nigga, you nice. <laughs> I was like, so we ended up just looking. He said, yo, come to the studio. The crazy thing about it is, I go there, I don't have this number, I don't got the address. I step off the train, it's at Nostrand. This is where the phony house is on, Nostrand Herkin. I step off the train with my son, I'm like, yo, bro, I don't even know where we going right now. <laughs> yo, word two, I didn't have to wait. I'm walking, Jizzle meet me at the corner, PJ, call him Jizzle. Meet me at the corner, he's like, yo, on the rail, I don't know why I came outside. I was like, what? He said, y'all just came out for no reason. I was like, you're not going to the store? He's like, nah, so we ended up walking back to the crib, man, I'm going there. So I ended up freestyling again, whatever. They started fucking with me, I met this dude named Begare, who's upstairs, L-ass producer, like one of the best producers I ever met. He, he produced my first, first thing I ever put on SoundCloud that got like 10K. It was called, it was called Fuck Shit Up, and it was like, Originally gonna be like a three-track song called Fuck Shit Up. I had another song called Coastal featuring PJ and a song called Marva Sight featuring PJ and Carl Shimon. Those the rappers I was working with at the time. And yeah, it's like 2011, so 2012 was when everything dropped. And ever since then, I've been doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and what's your process in regards to writing? Are you note notebook, pen, paper? Are you I don't even know. <laughs> it, it happens how it happens, man. Like I, sometimes, like if there's a pen and notebook around, I, I usually don't write unless, unless I, I'm like, uh, I, I, my phone is dead or something. Like I, I like write down bars, and then like I go and I hear a beat, and then I let the beat, like I let the beat pick how those bars are like said or like in the order it's said, and like I let the hook really. Like how I feel about the beat determine the hook, and how I feel about the hook is what bars I use. So like that's what really I do. I don't really like write like specific verses anymore, like what I used to. Like that's when I first started. Like I was just like writing. I had nowhere to record, but now I can record. 
I'm never even writing. I'm usually just in the studio, like I said this last week, or I tweeted this. I mean, look what I tweeted, and then it's making a verse. Yeah. And yeah, that's how I do. And then, uh, I guess in the, in the fall, I guess, actually, maybe a little before, but you did the uh, Dystopia FM. Hey, that, that, was last, that was March 13th. I forgot that March 13th. Okay. Last All right. Yeah. Um, you did it with uh, Kashaka. Mm-hmm. Why, why him? And mm-hmm. I only ask that just because, like, you know, I've heard you work with Kamal. Mm-hmm. I've heard you work with other producers. Yeah. Like, how, how'd you settle on uh, he's Kashaka? Doing that, yeah. He's the one that made BK where you at. So, like, we just had, like, before that, like, legit. I went to South by Southwest, and at the time I wasn't really rapping, I wasn't releasing anything. Like, I got out of this little situation where I had like a little manager or whatever, he wasn't doing his job, so I fired him, and I was like, I need to rebrand myself because I felt like, first of all, like, you know what I mean? I'm not ignorant dude or whatever, but I'm really going to hurt, so you know, I just felt uncomfortable with my surroundings after a while. Like, I felt like I would be judged if I said the wrong things. And I was like, sometimes I just want to not give a fuck. You feel me? And if I'm like forced to give a fuck, I'm like, all right, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to be politically correct with my words because that shit's not real. Like, legit, like I got this whole theory about being a rude boy. Like, I got a rude boy tattered across my stomach. That's what my whole family called me, you know? And like, it's legit that I don't believe in, to an extent, I, I, I believe in being sincere, but I don't believe in being polite. Cause like, you break down politics, polite is right there, you know? Uh, to me, to being polite is, just scared of uh, not being accepted. So I try not to do that. I try not to be in a place where I have to be polite. It's almost a lie to yourself, you know? So that's why people say when things aren't polite, it's rude. So that's why I got the rude boy from. So nonetheless, yeah, man, I just got out of that situation. I wanted to be around people that I felt like were really for me. And I understood where I came from. So I looked up with my girl Jonah. I got my dude, my dude John over there. He, he made like these crazy ass clothes. And then his boy Matt called Sour Girls, a dope ass line. It's mad rare, so like people don't really got it. But like people have it, they're like important as well. But nonetheless, like we just came together and we were just like, all right, we know what we want to do and how we want to handle things. And like. And, and um, the we that you're referring to is 1160. 1160. Yeah. 1160. So, so what's the, so you and Jonah are the origin of? Yeah, man, we lived in a spot called 1160 Eastern Parkway on Utica Avenue and like it took on Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue. So we was just right there on EP and he had a little spot and it was really just like a bunch of us, like John lived there and we, it was like a one room apartment. We was, it was on the section eight. You just living good, you feel me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> living that good, like, yeah, yeah, man. We just ended up really just linking up from there. Like, I had nowhere to go. I, I left the crib when I was like 17. Like, I lived with my grandmother for a little bit. My mom was like, she can't handle me no more. So I went to my grandmother's crib. And then, like, my dad was living there. And we was like, you know what I mean? Always kind of getting into it. So I was like, yeah, I'm out. So I moved down to like 17. And then since then, I was like bouncing around crib to crib. And then 1160 is where I finally lived, like, you feel me? So like, yeah. that was like when I was 19, we finally linked up. I was getting my GED at the time. And yeah, so we just linked up. We both got it tatted one day. Just like my boy Muff, he's like a last tattoo artist. We just sat down and we just realized we had nobody but us. You know what I mean? Like, that's like my legit big brother, like, you feel me? 
So we just like, this shit's happening. And then we just started going with it. It was like 1160, 1160 started saying it until it became a thing. And we were just like, yo, that's us. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jonas is the gentleman that was hosting the show that I went to last week? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So, so what role does he play as a, I mean, he's besides, besides like being affiliated with 1160, like, is he like a manager? Is he, is he in the studio when you're making records? Yeah, I mean, he's in the studio with me. You know what I mean? He's really like a tastemaker or a, a curator of some sort. You feel me? Like, he's been in the scene, like, as far as, like, in the downtown, Soho, like, scene and shit. And he's been, like, he's he's well known, like, you feel me? Like, everybody you know from, like, ASAP to, like, whoever's lit, like, the whole Black Ink, like, he knows all of them guys who, like, you know, he's just aware of what's good and what's not. You feel me? Like, legit, before, like in 2013, before people even heard that stoner song from Young Thug, we was listening to Young Thug in the crib. Like, and people would come over like, what the fuck are y'all listening to? <laughs> I was like, yo, this is the future. It's because, like, Los actually, Jonah's little brother, he put us on and we was just like, yo, this is crazy. It's out the world. And he was just like, yo, this is the Jonah legit said, yo, this nigga's going to be that dude that just does weird shit. Yeah. called it like two months before it happened. I was like, yo, that's like a second time that happened. So like, he just knows good things and knows what's, knows what's hot. Yeah, I'm more partial to Pee Wee Longway though, man. Oh yeah, yeah, Pee Wee Longway's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah, get me wrong, yeah, bro. Yeah. You saying that just gave me hope yeah. for the world, bro. Like, Cause he's low key, like if you put him on a Dilla beat, people would think he was a lyricist. Like, it, well, that's the thing. Like I, when I, I first heard, the, heard both of them on, um, on Loaded, and I was like, yo, like everybody's talking about Young Thug, but like Pee Wee Longways. Yeah, yo, dope. Like, he's dope. That John Dillinger song did it for me. He had a song named John Dillinger, where he was just like, talking, like spitting on some next level, like his flows and this. But I feel like Young Thug, the reason why I like him so much, he's more like an instrument than like an artist. Like he's like a vibe itself. Like he's the vibe. Like his two artists, I feel like that about, feel like, feel that way, feel that way about. Excuse me. <laughs> feel that way about like as far as in this generation's future and like they're the real vibes. Like it's not necessarily like music or lyrics that you're in it for. It's like just the vibe, like the feeling of it is different than any artist. Like nobody could create that vibe that Young Thug creates. It's just outlandish. Like it's like no rule to it. It's like Lil Wayne, but he does something else with it. So it's crazy, like that's why I listen to them. Yeah. And and of all of the Young Thug songs that you could have picked, why Best Friend? I don't know. If he was listening to it, I kept on like dancing to the shit. Yeah. I Which like, I didn't. I don't. I don't even like the song. But like yeah. when I saw you perform the shit, I was like, <laughs> all right, maybe I could get with this. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm still on the fence about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a different song. I didn't know people were gonna like it. People like that shit. Like, yeah, I, that I shit know. Has, like, I some so. of the most views that I have on like one of the most listens on plays on SoundCloud. So just that being the case, I was like, yo, this is. Crazy, like, cause Loki, somebody else told me to drop it. Like, it was, I think it was Capo, one of my homeboys. It was like, yo, bro, drop this shit. Like, I'm like, this is alright. Like, <laughs> so I was like, just to see like how people reacted to it. I wasn't a fan of it. I was just like fucking around. Like, yo, slow it down. I was like sitting there, we was like smoking and shit, or whatever. And they were just like, yo, slow it down. Let me just do a remix to it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's how I came across. But. I agree with you, man. I don't want to mess it out the track too. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, we were talking about Dystopia FM. Yeah, yeah, so, true. 
So that was your first full body yeah. of, of work? Yeah, first joint. What would you consider that? Because I feel like in 2015, and I guess like the last few years anyway, there's this thin line between like a mixtape or an album or people just refer to things as projects. Like what, project. what would you categorize it's it as? a project. The EP, like, you know, it's a short project. It's, lower, it's uh, about like 30 minutes yeah. to like 25, 25 to 30 minutes long. It's like, it's just, to me, it was just like a weird expression of like, what I could, I was looking at it more so instead of like making like a hit project, I was looking at like, what can I do that's different than everything that I ever done? And at the time, like, it like, sep I was looking for a way to separate me from, because before like that whole shit went down when I dropped Dystopia FM, I was like mad connected to like Steez and like Pro Era. So like there's legit little kids like typing on the computer like, yo, what's your third eye doing? And I'm like, yo, bro, I got to go fuck with my other that shit. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, I'm just trying to like make what I make. You feel me? I'm like a kid from the hood. I like girls and I like, you feel me? I got strong opinions, but I like vibe. I like to make people dance. I like to make people move. I'm not trying to sit and spit a million syllables at you. I could do that. I love that shit, but that's not what I want to do. So, yeah, man, I just was like, I want a way to really separate myself sonically from what people are expecting me to do, you know? Yeah. So that was a Snoopy FM. I was just going real weird, like Pink Champelles, like a fucking pimp soul music where I'm just like, legit, I, was, I didn't write it. I just was on the phone talking to my girl I don't want to say what he's talking about, but I was just like, <laughs> just texting. And the song's called Picture and Pedal. You can listen to it. It's, it's, it's a crazy song. It's weird. <laughs> but yeah, we just talking. And I just made this, made a vibe. Like, that's what I was trying to do, just make a vibe. And then, like, BK Ruat came across after, like, I legit listened to Blue Magic and watched Belly on pause. Like watching flipping between the songs and it's like you're playing like mutant belly on Netflix and playing blue magic in the background and just watching it and then hearing that flow like and then like when I did the second verse like I did I wrote the first verse and then told Eli the way I want the beat I was like the beat gotta sound like Pharrell did it in 2004 we stealing it from him like we gotta make it sound like the Neptune did it themselves so like we literally did that and. You know, I was just like, you know, I just took little pieces of songs that I like. Yeah. The Nori shit came from just me just in the, right after I did the verse, like, fuck it. <laughs> just make a, group, a quick bridge. Yeah. I just said that, and they're saying that, so that's how it came out. And then, and then like, with every other song, like New Blue Hunters, it was all just like, just me picking from my, like, inspirations and shit. Just like, being into, like, weird anime and, like, sci-fi movies, like Akira and, like, fucking Samurai Jack and shit, like that shit that I was like really into. I was watching that Batman Beyond, like anything that existed in a world where it was like so ancient, like not that ancient, but like a futuristic dystopia vibe, like you feel me, like some New World Order type shit, like some real creepy shit. That's what I was really into when I was doing that. Still, still to this day, that's like an aesthetic that I love, but yeah. And I hate when, um, you know, like a, like people are like, yo, you should do this with this person, or you should do this with this person. But I'm gonna be that guy right now, because uh, I like the chemistry that you and Aaron Cohen have. Oh yeah, yeah. So besides like one-offs on each other's projects, 
Yo, at any point. Aaron got a million songs. We we need that, man, honestly. Yeah, me and Aaron have like a million and one songs. Like, like legit. I mean, where I record at, he lives, like, him and come on. Like, most of the time, I'm there for like two weeks on end, just like, you feel me? We got this one gym membership, and we go there and take showers and shit. <laughs> we go nonstop. I'm in the sauna real quick, step out with a verse, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. So, like, you know what I mean? It's legit me and him just going back and forth, like, doing his songs. He's working on his tape. We're just working on it simultaneously, and Kamal's, like, engineering and like, most of it, recording most of the shit. And Who's he, another brilliant guy, by the way? Oh, yeah, man. Kamal is insane, like... The J gets me mad how insane he is because he be like, yo, bro, you know, like, I don't really be thinking my shit that good, you know? Like, I'm like, yo, bro, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you when you started off the interview with, like, high praise, I, I I didn't catch the name, but you say, yo, this is the best producer I ever met. I oh, was yeah, like, Gear. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, Gear's on, on another level, man. Like, the only reason why I say that is... He's not even a producer, man. He's like more of a composer. Like I seen him do things with samples that like legit come on knows about him. Like I seen him shit, I, I seen him do shit with samples that like I don't think anybody really does. Like low key, like and he's so like introverted that we would probably never know. <laughs> That's the crazy thing about it. Like he doesn't work with a lot of people, but yo man, like that dude is like insane. Like legit insane. But like Kamal, man, he's like one of my favorite people to work with, without a doubt. Like, I'm not taking anything away from Kamal when I say that. Because like, now nah, I, I was just because I, I think Kamal is extremely talented. So for you to say like, I thought you would have said that about him. But oh, like yeah, the fact that the yeah. fact that there are other people out there that are, that are pushing you and like making you be like, oh, they're pushing the envelope. Like that, yeah. that's that's impressive to me. Yeah, man, it is like another level. Like he's like a legit. He's actually a pianist. Like he really plays the piano. Like you know what I mean. He really studies jazz. Like you feel me? Studies Dilla to a T. Like I've never somebody like, legit. Like first time I ever met Miguel, Like I had like a three hour conversation about Dilla, no. just Dilla. Like nothing else but Dilla. And I was just like, yo, like this is insane. Like he legit studies that dude. So like I just fucked with how obsessed he was with emulating the way he worked but never emulating his exact sound work. Right. you know what i mean so it was just crazy like so yeah that's why i say that but come on without a doubt doesn't take anything away from one of my actually easier to work with than begin you know like so i'd rather work with come on begin is like another level yeah so was that a yeah and on you and aaron doing a project together you know we gotta see i don't know you might be. I don't know. And then, and the other day, you um, you tweeted like a specific date for next year yeah. for your your album, yeah, uh, yeah. mixtape, or project. Yeah, it's my album. This is I'm gonna call it an album. And does it have a name just yet? Yeah, it's called Midnight Medina. The reason it's called that is because like, I recorded most of these songs like like three o'clock, twelve between three o'clock in the morning and. It just really shows like how I feel about midnight. And for those who don't know, Medina means Brooklyn. Like you feel me? I'm from Brooklyn, and it just shows like my night. Like really, how it feels to spend a night with me, where I'm from. You know. So there's a lot of references to my hood, a lot of references to a lot of things that go on. Just the feeling of it. It feels like the hood to me. Like I, I created a sonic vibe as well as vocally and verbally. Like I felt I, I created this world. That I, I made sure I pick beats selectively for the project that sound like 
the world I'm in. You know what I mean? And that's Midnight Medina. And how, how's it gonna differ from? I mean, it's OPF, man. It's not gonna differ, really. It's it's building on that legacy, you know. It's building on that because I don't want to really like. I stated what I could do with Dystopia FM, and I want to build on that, you know, me sonically and just like who I am as a person. Cause who I, I mean, Dystopia FM is really me. Like I chose the name. I like made that feeling. You know, that's the feeling that I'm like inspired by till this day. So it's gonna sound similar, but it's definitely a little. It's gonna be different, of course. But yeah, I'm still inspired by the same thing. So still, you know, there. A lot of songs I did around that time as well, so, yeah. And you guys just recently did two shows in like, I guess it's like two or three weeks span. Uh -huh. um, got another show coming up December 20th in yeah. Bushwick. It's going to be at Transpeckles again? Yeah. No, 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 we're not doing Transpeckles, man. Transpeckles, they violated themselves. They never did another <laughs> show out of us. Yeah, I remember that first show, they couldn't get the sound right. Oh, yeah, no, no. And then the second show, they hired like more security to cut my check, mess my money up. I don't like them. That's records never see me again. <laughs> but yeah, man, we got another show coming up. I forgot the venue, but you know, it's on Instagram. It's on Instagram somewhere. My phone's dead. But yeah, so. But now I say that to say, um, you have this evil record that you recently put the video out for. I didn't put the video out. It's a deep situation. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess it's probably up there with would uh i feel like anything that makes me get out of character because if anybody knows me personally i don't dance um, i'm very like even killed as far as the energy is concerned maybe yeah. you guys figured that out tonight um <laughs> cool. but that 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 makes me um bust a move a little bit you know what i mean <laughs> yeah for real like the, the the energy on that record is um is 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 so yeah. yeah, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, man, that song, the whole story behind that video is deep, but that song in itself is like, you know, a real, like, for me, one of my favorite songs, I cherish that shit, because I wrote it, the, like, that's like one of the last verses I, I wrote outside of the studio, like, uh, I wrote that shit in my email, I had to email it my, to myself, because I didn't have notes on my phone at the time, so I emailed it to myself, like, you know what I mean? Or I thought notes was the fault, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah huh? you, you don't get yeah, notes yeah, by default. Yeah, there's notes, there's notes, matter of fact, it was an email to myself. Matter of fact, no, here's the, here's the story. I'm on my boy phone, and I had to email it to myself, because gotcha. I, I had a Blackberry at the time, so I was like, I'm not typing this. <laughs> I cannot type on this shit, so I was like, yeah. So I typed on the fucking, uh, on my bro's iPhone, I emailed it to myself. And I just had like these two verses and I heard the beat and all I could say was like the drum was just like, do, 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 do. It was like, yo, oh, 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 oh. And I just remember just writing that, just the sitting down, it was me and Dom's and me like in my weed man crib and we just chilling, we like, yo, bro. <laughs> Put in the beat, I'm like, yo, this shit is crazy. Man. And I was like, at first, it was, I was gonna get him and Manolo Rose on it. Yeah. You feel me? So yeah, that's has that kind of vibe too. Yeah, I, cause you know, Manolo's the bro. So like, he was like, I, we gonna hit Manolo up. I hit Manolo up and I got the beat. That's made the hook. I went to like a dice party. I think my bro Dice the God was throwing a party at, at the Riverton. So I was like, shout out to Dice the God, by the way. That's the big bro. Uh, he was like, yo. But this shit's fire, like he played, I played in the beat, we was legit in the club, I gave him headphones and I was like, yo, this shit's fire, my nigga, like, yo, it's fire. So he's gonna do it, but then I ended up recording, I was like, 
mine. <laughs> 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 this is mine. So like, I ain't giving this to nobody. So yeah, ever since then I was just like, I'm gonna fuck with it. And it, it's doing good, even though like, I didn't release the video. I guess because the song, the video sucks. Uh, but the story behind that is I had a, another situation with a terrible manager. Don't trust managers, they have to take your soul. <laughs> they're trying to take your crap, they make it theirs, I'm telling you. But yeah, so this dude was trying to, like, I guess, budget my career or whatever. That was his first thing, trying to be an investor. And I was like, okay, cool, like, I need that. <laughs> I'll take some money. And then after that, uh, he basically. Uh, released the video because we had like a, a roof scene. I re-released it with the Vimeo private because like we had a roof scene that wasn't allowed supposedly, and I was like, because the landlord, some situation my landlord. I was like, what is a Hasidic Jew man gonna go on? When is he ever gonna have the time to go on YouTube and search Wati Haru on the rooftop of his building? Like, who had time for that? There's a million rooftops in Brooklyn. Like, he'll get over it. Nonetheless. Uh, Release the video and I'm on permission, so I had to get out of that situation, which I'm out of, and, gotcha. and currently getting that video off of the internet. So, yeah, and, and the song is gonna be on the Midnight Medina, and I just got off the phone with another director, so I might be making that shit a little movie. I'm making it a little better, so that's the wave now. All right, um, yeah. two more questions, and I'm gonna let you go. So we mentioned Kamal, um, so he, he's worked extensively with both you and Aaron and ICK and 1160, like, what's the process like to get a beat from him? Like, how, how do y'all like, divvy it up? Yo, man, sometimes you gotta wake Kamal up or stop him from, you gotta turn off the video game. You gotta just stop him, but like, when he's working, he's working. Like, if you don't see Kamal for like two weeks, he got like 10 beats just ready. But like, if you're there and like, it just like sometimes slows up. But like, he's uh, allies do to work with easy as fuck. But like, sometimes you just gotta like shake him and be like, yo bro, come on, man. Like, we ain't got time to waste. <laughs> you know but who will we'll get first dibs though? Uh, ain't no first dibs. <laughs> it's whoever gets up and say something on the track first. Yeah. You know what I mean? But does he ever approach any of you guys like, yo, nah, this is this is specifically for Aaron, oh, yeah. or this is specifically Sometimes for Sometimes we the sound, and like, we agree on, like, cause I know what sounds good, so like, you feel me? Like, I know what sounds good for me. I don't want every beat, you know? I'm not picky when it comes to beats, and so is Aaron, and we both are aware of what we sound good on, so like, legit, every time where Aaron is like in Long Island somewhere, and he's like, I hear a beat, and I'm like, He's making them like, yo, it sounds like Aaron beat. Yeah. And I send it to Aaron, or like he'll send it to Aaron, I'll be like, yo, come on, send me this, it's for you. He'll do the same thing for me, so that's pretty much how we work. Like, we're both aware, we're not like in the studio scavenging each other, like trying to take beats, but you know, we know how we work and who sounds good on what, or like, what's just a good sound for the project? Because we spend most of our time listening to nothing but our projects. Right. So we know what it's supposed to sound like. You know what I mean? There's times where he does verses, and like I'm telling him, nah, it sounds like I'm doing verses. He's like, you can do better. You know, so, yeah, that's how we work, man. It's, it's a dope ass environment. Yeah. All right, so you're not gonna confirm if you and Aaron doing a project, but <laughs> let me ask this. So him and AB go harder, the ugly boys, like, what, yeah, yeah. what would you call yourselves, you and Aaron, theoretically, if you uh, happen to do a project? Ah, uh, shit, man, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, Aaron, uh, his name is Aaron Cohen, which is uh, the priest. And the Cohen means priest in Hebrew. 
or Kahan, like, and my dad is a Hebrew Israelite, so my real, my Hebrew Israelite name is Kahan. So we had like, we share that similarity. So I don't know what it'd be called. We have that weird similarity. We have to figure something out. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the ugly boys. I'm pretty. That way he said, you guys are all real life swaggy though, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Sure. Um, and the, the last question, which I guess made that more than uh, two, but um, who who is doing handling and production on? Oh um, man, there's only Pullovers who did the Evil track, uh, Kashaka, of course, and come on. Um, I'm not the producers. Yeah. And any features already set in stone or Aaron still working progress? Uh, I ain't really, uh, I'm, I'm, keep it I'm not a big feature dude. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I'm selfish with my work, so like, unless it makes the utmost sense, like, like I'd rather like, if, you, either, I, if I do a song with one of my bros, like sometimes I just take the verse off. I'm like, nah, I need that verse. <laughs> like, I, like, not saying that I'm not trying to share with anybody, but I'm just real, like, selective with how my my sound comes out because I have a whole world and I'm I'm making when I make music. It's deeper than just like a song to me. Like it's like you know, I'm making a world that you gotta live in for like this three minutes, and I need your attention and all of it. You know. So yeah, that's what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, watch yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. And we got, we got one more, so I hope everybody's good. Um, so, our next and last guests or guests, um, <laughs> Dallas Penn refers to them as the twins. Um, they're often asked how they met, but they're brothers. Um, but most people don't, I guess, know that. Um, and they have a pretty kick-ass um, podcast called A Waste of Time. But in addition to that, they, they're just very talented. And um, I think they push the genre of rap um, in a different direction um, and help expose it to a wider audience, which is why I asked them to uh, come on today um, or tonight. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, it's The Real, um, Jeff and Eric Rosenthal. <laughs> Do you mind if we do ours? Oh, <laughs> I, would, I would love to. I would love to. Right. Yeah, you could Yo, what up? It's Eric, aka the Bag of Chandler, aka Catch a Case. <laughs> Yo, what up? It's Jeff, aka So So Death, aka Helen Keller. <laughs> Yo, what up? It's Eric, aka the Star Demon, aka Don't Cross Me. <laughs> Yo, what up? It's Jeff, aka So Icy Entertainment, aka Gucci. Ah, wait, what is it? Uh, <laughs> oh, Chrissy Yamaguchi Man. All right. I thank you guys for coming on. Oh, man. thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. And I mentioned this to you guys earlier, man. That was the quickest turnaround time on the email. 
not even during this TN Converse journey, but maybe in life. Well, here's the thing. If you email us and you have something of substance, we'll email you back. If you're emailing us saying like, we like your blog and or website and we'd like you to post our music, then we're not gonna respond to you, so. <laughs> oh man, all right, well thank you. Um, yeah, that's definitely um, humbling. Um, Cause you guys have put in a lot of work. Um, so whenever I hear people say things like that, uh, it's dope. Um, yeah, I don't actually know how to respond to it. Actually. Oh. Yeah. No, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We're the ones that are in charge of the quick responses, so like yeah. you're good. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. Um, so I guess where I want to start is you guys recently had currency on, um, and you guys talked about like spelling. Like, if there's one thing I hate about rap music, man, is spelling. Like spelling something right, but it's actually wrong. Like that shit bothers me to no end. Um, but I spent a few minutes trying to figure out how you guys' name was spelled, because it's, it's the real, but it's all one word. Yep. I've seen variations with the crown, with a lowercase i. Yeah. Like, what 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 is it, man? Okay, uh, we started out eight years ago as The Real. Um, today, there is a syndicated talk show called The Real. Um, we get so many emails and so many, like, Facebook messages where people are like, can you put Tamar, uh, more Tamar Braxton on the reel? And we're like, no, we cannot. <laughs> or like, can we get Adrian Bailon to perform at someone's niece's quinceanera? And we're just like, that's not our thing, but yeah. you know, sure, we can try. <laughs> yeah. But to answer your question, um, you know, it's, it's the reel, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-O, one word, okay. no apostrophes, no spaces. Um, not it. Not it's the real. Not it's the real with two e's. Like <laughs> it's the real, so it's easy to find. Right. Our Arguable. SEO game is crazy right now. <laughs> we're the only it's the real. Except like now we get all these like teens who are like it's the real underscore sav on yeah. on uh, on Twitter. Because <laughs> there's another sav who is also real. <laughs> And I and I know you guys have been sharing your whole life, so I'm sorry I'm uh, making you share one more time with this mic. No, all good. I mean, are you okay? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the podcast, the waste of time. Um, that's what you guys are doing currently. Um, there was a podcast before. Yep. Um, Hype Men. Yep. Yep. What, like, did, were you guys? Did you guys feel like you were missing something? That did you jump back into the podcast game? Because you guys were podcasting relatively early. I guess um, Hype Men was probably what? 2010? 10, 10? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we did 52 episodes. Um, and I mean, so the, the, the Hype Men podcast was interesting because it was the two of us, but also our friend Jensen. Jensen right. And Jensen lives in LA. And so the way that we would record all those podcasts is that we'd have people, like all these people, come over to our apartments. Um, like we had everybody from Just Blaze to, uh, I don't even remember, uh, who else was on? I mean, Pete oh, Wentz and... Yeah, Bun B and, um... Bud Bundy, like all these people would just come over to our apartments, but, um, you know, at a certain point, like the way that we were recording them is that we would do like these blocks of like 12 episodes, 12 hours in a weekend. And so one time um, I actually contracted salmonella from a taco truck and that knocked me out for an entire weekend because not great. Don't eat from taco trucks. And um, Nah, man, uh, Chipotle got the uh, salmonella uh, yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. don't eat anywhere. It's not only the taco trucks. But the, the great thing about that was that people would hit Jeff up because like week after week he would be missing from the podcast and they're like, is he dead? Is he all right? Like what's going on? But 
uh, it was a lot to do back then. It was a lot to sort of like, we couldn't really Skype without a delay at that point. Um, you needed to bring in all this equipment also to our apartment. So it was a lot to handle. But also like we had to be in each other's cities all the time. He was in LA, we were in New York. And so we just had to stop after 52 weeks. And you know, having Eric um, live in the same apartment as me um, makes it much easier. Um, there's no Skyping there. Um, and yeah, now the idea for our podcast is that uh, it was supposed to be Eric and I inviting all these rappers and other people over our apartment for what was supposed to be a dinner party style conversation, just like a very winding um, sort of thing. And then the press release went out and uh, it just said dinner party conversation. And we were like, oh no, we have to cook for all these people. So we've been cooking for everybody from like gunplay, we made him sea bass, to the Migos came over um, and they had like all these, um, we were gonna make them burgers, but they decided they wanted like a half hour before they were like, we want fried chicken, we want um, fried pork chops, we want mashed potatoes, ribs. And so that was annoying. And we're like, I don't know what kind of process you think we have here, but we're definitely not gonna make you guys, you know, everything you want. They were very specific too. And so we're like, all right, well, there is a barbecue place across the street from us. Let's run over there and get that. And so we did, and we got this like real nice spread, especially for like 20 minutes until they get there, right? Yeah. So we do this, we put everything out. It looks so nice on the table. And they come in with like- platters. We, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> we, so they come in with about a dozen of their friends and we're like, again, not a huge apartment, but everyone's coming in, all right. And they sat down and they stared at the food and they're like, mm, not crispy enough. And they sat there for the entire hour and looked at the food and didn't touch anything. And it got cold and we were like, well fine, we're gonna sit here too. And so we did that the whole time. And at the very end, they leave and their publicists took some food and they all left and we're like, well, I guess we're eating the rest. So we did. Yeah. <laughs> Fun podcast with Amigos guys. Whatever, big fans. So the podcast is called The Waste of Time. Yes. Um, how, how has uh, time worked out for you guys? Are you guys getting stood up a lot? Are people punctual? Because I mean, I'm, I'm finding on this journey, like over the last year, rappers are some of the most respectful people, man. Like, yeah. they, they've all been respectful of my time. They're like, can we smoke? Can we not smoke? Can we curse? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, and they usually get the rap for being um, standoffish or prima donnas. Everyone's been pretty respectful. Are you guys finding the same thing? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that uh, lateness can be like an issue sometimes, but like, I don't think that we're super judgy about that. And then like, you know, uh, we're friends with like a lot of these people anyway. So like when Jadakiss comes over, we're talking about like the high schools that we went to because he also grew up in Westchester right. and like, um, but yeah, no, I think that everybody's been super respectful. Yeah, totally respectful. I think when it comes to, and we've been in this for eight years, right? Like we've done a lot of stuff. We did sketches, we did podcasts, we did um, like funny interviews from TV. We did, we did music, we did all this stuff. Yeah. But um, I think that there were a couple moments in, in which like lateness played a big part. Um, doing a food podcast, first of all, sort of has to be timely. So Smoke Dizza, who's a good friend of ours, showed up about three hours late, so the food was really cold at that point. <laughs> so when he didn't eat it, we were just like, well, that's sort of understandable. Right. Um, another time, Nori, um, uh, Capone and Noriega were coming over, and Nori showed up about a half an hour early and didn't want to like sort of go against the whole idea of rappers being late. So he stood downstairs and like, went through cigarette after cigarette after cigarette just so he would like kill a half an hour so he could sort of show up a little late, right? Uh, then, 
I, I think in general, like all these guys, you know, know that this is, now it's, it's, a, it's, it's an official thing and they're part of the circuit, right? It's like, it's just like going to radio. You want to be on time, you want to be respectful. Years ago, some music executives were like, don't bring rappers over to your house. It's not the rappers you have to be afraid of, but like their friends. <laughs> and we found that like really everyone's a professional now and understands that like, you know, even if it's coming over to our apartment, you handle it like a real job. Yeah, but also like back then we were taking more shots at rappers than probably now. Like we were, I think we were more reckless. Yeah. So the, would you guys say the sketches are the first, that was the first thing? Yeah, yeah. that was the first thing. Mm -hmm. So do either of you guys have a, a background in either stand-up or improv, or was it just like, yo, let's, let's just do it? Well, so Eric, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you can, okay. Yeah. Uh, my background is I went to college, I thought I was gonna be a, uh, I went to Syracuse University, I thought I was gonna be a feature film writer and director. Obviously, like, life is not a straight path, so uh, scripts that I was writing where I had, like, no perspective, or at least the perspective of, like, a 21-year-old or a 22-year-old, like, didn't sell. Like, shocker, right? Like, I pitched them all over the place, and one thing I was very good at is getting, like, into a door and, like, past, you know, the, the sort of gatekeepers. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I'd worked for music video companies. I I worked on Sundance winning projects. I was I was really like, you know, in my mind set for this like one straight path, and it just doesn't work like that. So I was like living at home with my parents. My parents were like, what did you go to school for? If you're just gonna like write and like run to like the beach and sit down and like you know write out a script and run back, you know, when you're hungry, and. So I, I knew early about a guy named Kanye West. I knew that he had a production company out of Chicago called Hustle Film with John Monopoly and Don C. And I knew that I wanted to get in touch with them somehow, some way. And so our other brother, Dan, um, who's Jeff's twin, uh, fraternal twin, was home. Oh, so there are twins in the equation. There are, yeah, just not us. Yeah. Just got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like somewhere in between us, but he is Jeff's fraternal twin brother. Uh, he also wears glasses. Yes. <laughs> Shouts to Dan. We were, uh, Dan was home for a spring break. He and I went down to um, Asbury, Park. Asbury Park to go see Kanye tour when it was like John Legend was John Stevens playing piano. It was like the little brother days um, and like Talib Kweli. Yeah. And Don C, who's like his best friend and day to day manager, was his DJ at the time called DJ Offbeat. Anyway, so we waited outside for them afterwards and and I gave them my whole spiel. I'm like, I could, I could do this for you guys. I could do whatever you want. I just want to work with you. I, I know there's something special there. And that developed into a, a really cool friendship with all of them to the point where they invited me to document Kanye's biggest week ever at the Grammy, at his first Grammys in 2005. So I'm there for everything, right? Like I'm there for the after parties, for the the, the ceremonies, for the speeches, for the 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 fittings, for everything for this guy who, you know, didn't know me from anyone, but his team trusted me, and that sort of set my, my path off on a whole, like, crazy tangent. And by the way, then you come home, not only are my parents like, oh, this is cool, and we like him, and we see, like, some way to you having some sort of career, but also, you know, Lior Cohen and Mona Scott and all these people want to work with me, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm documenting Missy Elliott and Jim Jones and different bands for, for different record labels. Now, at that time, Jeff had graduated college, Boston University, and started working for HBO. Yeah, my, my story isn't nearly as interesting. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, I worked for HBO uh, on their comedy website, and it was a terrible website, the end. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, though, because um, people ask us all the time, they're just like, well, 
you know, what separates you guys from everyone else? And I think there's two big things. One is consistency and the other is quality, right? So we strive, we put out a video, our first video ever, we had bigger ideas. We were like in 2006, 2007, we're like, we're gonna make a TV show and it's gonna have like three elements. Right, and it was gonna be uh, interviews like Angie Martinez, it was gonna be uh, live performances like uh, MTV Unplugged, and it was gonna be sketch comedy like Saturday Night Live. And then when we took it to different places, every single executive was like, that's a great idea. How does it make money? And so the two idiots that we are were just like, I don't know, like, you, that's your job. You, you make the money. <laughs> but we had a camera, right? Like we had a Canon XL2, which at the time was really like dope, right? It was expensive and it like looked like film and it was on digital video. So we're like, cool. We have this, we have Final Cut Pro, and we have our two brains. And we love hip hop and we love comedy. What can we do? We could do the sketches. So we just started doing them. And the first video we ever did was called Deconstructing Biggie, where we took the Biggie line, your mag is my style you're admiring, don't be mad, UPS is hiring. Looked at it from the UPS driver's perspective, who hated it. And the <laughs> DHL and the FedEx guys thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And we did like a ton of views that, that first day and that first week. Right, and then the next week we threw an early retirement party for Lloyd Banks. Um, <laughs> and uh, people thought that oh, um, we'd been hired by either the game or by Dipset. Because like, who are these random white dudes like dragging um, Lloyd Banks? And by the way, so uh, the video does very, very, very well for us. And um, not so well for Lloyd Banks who comes up to us uh, last year, this year, this year, this year, and says, I know you, I don't like you, you made fun of me, don't make me beat you up. And this is like uh, eight years later, and um, apparently Lloyd Banks spends a lot of time on the internet and doesn't forget much, so. Long memory on that guy. So we, so we did these videos, we were like, you know what, let's do this every week, because if people out there, if YouTube was relatively new, and anybody with a camera, just like us, could have could have done that, right? But we were like, we're gonna have a different idea every week. We're gonna have it be very smart and 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 look really good, and we're gonna be consistent with it. So to the point where we went up to Max B's apartment one time. Everyone knows Karen Civil, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Karen Civil was a friend of ours way back then. Is who, a friend. Is a friend, but I'm saying like even yeah. back then. Yeah. And she was like, she was working with, with Max B, and she was like, Max B loves your guys' stuff. Like, really, really loves it. Has a great, great sense of humor, has a huge audience, and you guys should really work together. And we're like, sounds good to us. So, so we go up to Max B's apartment. Um, turns out Max B does not know who we are. Um, <laughs> I got yelled at. Shouts to Karen Civil. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the idea was that we, Max B has a lot of like made up words. Yeah. Um, like he would say wavy and he would say ow. And so we were like, all right, well, let's do a thing where we play Scrabble with Max B. Nah, that's not made up. That's how we talk at home. Man. No, I'm sorry. It's, it's uh, made up for Scrabble. <laughs> it's, it's, it was, it, we said that uh, street rules apply yeah, yeah. When, uh, when we play Scrabble because we were, we were turning all like the M's into W's. And it's like the owl would just like stretch for like eight letters. Like it was just, um, it was like that. And so there, first of all, we walk in, there's no furniture. Um, there is one ottoman. There is a Pro Tools rig, and there are about eight of his dudes just sitting against the wall, um, ice grilling us the entire time. Like, they, they do not like this joke, they do not like um, two guys showing up with a camera and a giant Scrabble board. Um, 
Ron Artest was supposed to be there. Um, I, got, I got yelled at for not taking my shoes off, and I was like, I don't know why I need to take my shoes off. Like, I, there's nothing here. <laughs> and so we're so we get into uh, probably you know half of the script. We have a script printed out for him. We're going line by line because he's out of his mind, just like gone. But he is laughing the entire time. Like he, he, he is very drunk and very high, but he is laughing. So it's a good thing. Yeah. And so we get about halfway through the script before he freaks out and tells us we have to leave. And we're like, I, what are we going to do now, right? So we do, we leave. We listen to him because the man is, you know, about to go to jail for murder. And so we, we left and we go home. And this is a, a Sunday night and we don't know what to do because we have a Monday morning self-imposed deadline. Now, by the way, we never made any money off of our videos. Mm -hmm. Never made a dollar, never made a dime, nothing. We made a lot of websites, a lot of money, but like we, it, this is before like revenue sharing, this is before like... Also, I mean, like we're horrible businessmen, horrible. right? I don't wanna, <laughs> we shouldn't overstate that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like we could have probably made money, I don't know. Terrible planning. <laughs> so we, so we, we go home and we have this deadline of the next morning at like 9 a.m. Or, or 10 a.m. or whatever it was, and Max's apartment was uh, this seafoam green color, and our roommate at the time, this girl had seafoam green covers. So we took the covers off, put them on the wall, like tacked it up, rewrote the script that made sense now, and shot it throughout the night, stayed up all night, edited it and everything, and that horrible experience. Yes, it is the worst experience. Um, and that every single person comes up to us and is like, I love the Max B video. Yeah. And so we can't get away from this horrible video. Like we get we get stopped on the street, ASAP EMs, rest in peace. That when he when he first met us, he was like, Yo, the Max B video, and we're like, was the worst thing ever. And he was like, It's my favorite. And we're like, This is terrible. So yeah. So we did that, we did that for three and a half years. Yeah. Try um, explaining that to your parents. <laughs> so but Let's back up a little bit. Like, yeah. how did so? You're doing your thing at HBO. You're doing your thing. I mean, yeah, well, you're you're overstating. <laughs> I, I did a thing. A thing at HBO. And then and then you're at you're doing the Kanye West stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the conversation like between you guys to actually join forces to work together? Or had you guys always been working together? Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a three and a half year age difference. And then why, why not why not then? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> l l let me first just say like I went away to school. I thought it was gonna be like I said like a feature film writer and director. Jeff, when you went to school, your plan was I want to write for Rolling Stone. Yeah. And I and Dan went to Indiana University. So we all spread out. And Dan was like, I want to do my own thing. I want to be you know in sports. And I think the plan wasn't always for Jeff and myself to like work together in that in that fashion. Like when we were growing up. And we, we went to this day camp up in Westchester um, where I was like the video guy, right? Because they had different like classes you could take, right? And, and one was video production. And I loved that. And that's where I got the, the directing bug. So I would direct, you know, 30, uh, 12 year olds in these like epic, epic, you know, sort of uh, 30 minute pieces. And so um, we would work together on those, but not like in official like partner capacity. Right. By the time that, that Jeff was at HBO and I was doing the documentary stuff, I feel like we just both had this idea. I, honestly, I was in a car and I heard this commercial 
uh, for a, a new show that was going to be on the Fuse Network, and that's like the whitest music channel that there is. And they were like, it's going to be, I forget what it was called. It, was, it had something to do with like authenticity, and they're like, we're bringing like real rap back. And it sounded so inauthentic. And I was like, if I was even into TV, I could create such a better idea than this. And that was what turned into what was going to be the real, which was those three components, right? And, you know, we, we just sort of, we knew that we worked well together. We have that brotherly thing. Um, and we're both very creative. We both love hip hop and love comedy. And it, it would just seem like an easy, easy thing to do. We didn't know that it would, you know, go the path it went, but yeah. And luckily, like, Dan has landed on his feet somehow and become a VP over at MSG, so he's, 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 doing, he's doing okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's able to pay his bills somehow. <laughs> and I, I don't want to start any trouble, but is this, is this dynamic indicative of you guys' real-life relationship? Like, are you guys closer to each oh, other? Oh, yeah, we need like, to. <laughs> um, no, uh, we all live together um, very close uh, with one another. Um, and I think that, like, you know, at some point, Dan might want to join um, in some way, in some capacity. Does he have an open invitation? I think that um, he didn't used to. I, 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 like, I mean, like, I don't think that there was much for him to do, like, you know. But now I think that more opportunities are opening up, and so, you know, maybe he could do, like, you know, hold my bags or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that there's, like, some management sort of thing that he could possibly do. Yeah. Um, He's a smart kid. <laughs> so I want to talk about music a little bit. Um, yeah. Like so, growing up, who had the better music collection, or did you guys just always like share everything? Uh, oh, well, this is a, there's a little bone of contention here um, between the two of us, I think. But I mean, we're also like three and a half years is far apart enough that it's like you have different tastes at different times. Yeah. I like to think that I found hip hop earlier because I'm older. And so I, let, yeah, I passed it along. Um, you know, you go through phases too. So I'm not proud of certain, you know, CDs that I had, but I'm I'm proud of other ones that I that I did have. Jeff, maybe not so much. Right. I have more embarrassing CDs, like in my um, like more skeletons in my closet in that respect. Um, like I definitely bought a CD that that it contained the Mac Macarena um, oh, on man. it, and I was like, oof. But, but now, now it's looking pretty good, 20 years later. But, um, but no, I, 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 um, I, liked, uh, I, I think that I had a better MP3 collection earlier than you did. Um, I had like probably 10,000 songs and my computer died. But it was, it was lit, it was, it was yeah, lit. Yeah. You know, it's funny, we, um, one of the worst meetings we ever had was at BET. Um, the second guy in command loved our stuff and wanted us to come in for yeah, a meeting. I, 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 uh, did you guys tell us? We might have told this story. On the um, Yo Gotti episode. Oh, did we talk yeah, about it on there? Yeah, I think it was. It was one of the recent episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but the short version is, uh, we went into this meeting. We expected uh, a to, great meeting. Well, we, we we just expected them to know if we're going to have a meeting, like you know what you're getting into. And uh, interns are saying hi to us on the way in, so we're like, oh, we feel like really cool right now. And we get in, and this development woman uh, says. Uh, how'd you find hip hop, or, or what's your earliest hip hop memory? No, no, I'm sorry. You're right. The first first thing she said was, "Why do you feel like you're able to comment on my culture?" And what we should have said was, "Like, hey, we've done, we've worked with all these people, and we go out, and we're part of this community, and we love the culture and the whole thing." Very well, very well versed in it. And uh, instead, I said, "Well." We've loved hip hop ever since Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, 
I love that show. And I, realized, I mean, I, I also love that show. Um, not sure what that has to do with this conversation. We're talking about the band. But okay. So. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it was a Yoga Daddy episode. Okay. Uh, I mean, suffice to say, we don't have a show on B, too. <laughs> that, was the, that was the code on that. Oh, the, um, my favorite thing about the Yoga Daddy episode, though, was uh, Matt Fasta. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So good. I, I tried to reach out to him, right? But I think that he thought that I was trying to reach out to him to get to you guys. <laughs> really? But I actually wanted to sit down with him because you guys introduced him as, um, you didn't refer to him as aficionado, but... You guys said that he knows a lot about Southern hip hop. Yes. Um, and when I was in high school, like, that's a lot of what I listened to. Like, what my friend Jared? I think I saw Jared in here, maybe. He always make fun of me about that. No limit and, and cash. I ain't have nobody, you know, ain't nobody to talk friends. to about that, man. I would talk to you about that. Yeah, you know what I mean? I wanted to sit down with Matt and was like, yo, man, like, but I think he thought that I was trying to get to you guys. Well. We can certainly put you guys in touch, All and right. Matt Fastow knows the most about uh, Southern hip hop. Well, especially Gucci Mane, um, especially like Brick Squad. Yeah, anything like Atlanta, basically. Yeah, and, um, and, that, and that's, that's kind of what I need though too, because I feel like I mean I can get into Gucci and Young Thug if someone else. Curates it for me. If I right. if I attempt it on my own, there is no person on yeah. earth who listens to all Gucci Mane's catalog. He puts out like four mixtapes in a day, and he's just like, I dare you to listen to all of this. Yeah. But if, if I try to listen to it on my own, then like I get lost. I'm like, nah, I, I can't find the, the right the right songs. You right. Know what I mean, so I feel like I need to have that conversation with Matt. Like Matt, you got you got to hook this up for me. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He'll, he'll do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, so. You guys made a recent announcement, I guess it was like September um, or so, um, about the deal with the uh, MTV yeah. the scripted series. Yeah. Um, was that a direct result of anything that you guys um, were working on specifically, or was it like a, a, com- a combination of the entire body of work? So the sketches, the, the, the album, or mixtape rather, mm-hmm. um, and the podcast, like, or what, did they cite something specific? Yeah. Or so, was it the early relationship with John Legend? who's a part of the project? No, it, it actually, it's it's just serendipity with, with John Legend, actually. Um, we, uh, yeah, there, there was a good long while where I hadn't seen John Legend, so to reconnect with him and be like, oh, you were rocking with us back then and now you're this, like, you know, grown individual who has a real point of view is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, MTV definitely had no idea what we had been doing. Um, <laughs> they were not like, oh, we love your um, your your Lloyd Banks video. Like, they weren't Max B fans, like, none of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, what happened was that we went in there with an idea. Um, and, I mean, so we had had this idea kicking around Eric and I for probably, like, three years. Um, we had comedy management at the time. Um, and it turns out that comedy management doesn't really know anything about hip-hop. <laughs> And I think it's really important for everyone to understand that, like, this is another thing where it's like, people are going to throw barricades in your way, and the best thing to do is just trust yourself and know your own voice. Oh my god, you sound like DJ Khaled's Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) You sound exactly like that. Like, people will throw throw roadblocks in your way, but (laughs) major key, yeah. But for real, uh, we had this comedy management. They didn't understand like anything we were doing. So we got ourselves on the front page of the New York Times art section. We got ourselves like on on stage of Bonnaroo. We got ourselves like all this 
cool press and everything, right? And um, we got that to drop. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, but we, we made a big change, which was we switched to music management. And uh, the music management happened to manage John Legend and other people like Miguel and YG and, and so they understood the language. They understood what we were trying to do and together with them, we could march into places, different networks and pitch a show that we thought, we were told, where's the comedy? And we're like, hey, you hear that from a comedy manager? That's really disheartening, you know? And so we, we just decided, you know what? This is a good idea and we have to work with people who understand what we're trying to bring to the table. So. Our first meeting, we sold it to uh, Legendary, which is if you guys see like any superhero movie, or if you see any like movie with explosions in it, and you see their thing at the front, that's Legendary Entertainment. We sold it to them. So that's what our show is. It's us and a bunch of explosions. Right. And um, no, the idea is that Eric and I are. Um, well, can we, can we talk about that part or not? I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I, I was going to ask because I know you guys did the press release or whatever, yeah. but that you starred in it, you wrote it, it's scripted, but yeah. not much beyond that. So yeah. I don't want you to say more than you're allowed to say. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's hold off on that, on that part. <laughs> I'm the wild card. I'm also the one with the microphone. <laughs> but so, sure, we can move on. So, but no, no, but it, it should be said, uh, we sold the show to Legendary and to MTV um, proper, so the real like MTV channel. And it's uh, starring us, it's written by us, it's executive produced by us and John Legend. and. You know, this is eight years in the making. So we look at our whole career and we say, oh, all these small things play a part in this. And I think that we are very proud to be executive producers of this because we have the final say. Mm -hmm. um, and it's... Yeah, I think that, you know, we don't want to deliver like a watered down product of like what hip hop culture really is like or what like even like the industry is like. Um, and so I think that we're we're happy to be the ones that are making the decisions as opposed to you know some like you know we have there there are white people at, at MTV who are very confused by the idea of like what a walkthrough is at a club like what does it mean to host a night at the club and it's like you know us explaining uh, who gunplay is or all these people and it's just like you know luckily like we're the ones that are going to be able to translate that in a way that it's not super like stupid like and we've gotten some questions honestly they've been really great throughout the whole process but we have gotten some questions where people are like well why wouldn't if you're in a studio and you're an artist why wouldn't the produce why wouldn't the dj be in there with you and we're like well this isn't run dmc anymore <laughs> right and they're like but we you know we saw we, we saw straight out of compton and like they're all in there together <laughs> and we're like, yeah, you know <laughs> different times the dj doesn't do that but okay but straight out of compton was released in 2015 i don't understand yeah so uh but but we're we're we've we're representing the culture we think very well. We think that uh, we're doing this show and the culture justice, and we feel like it's going to be a really transformative thing for MTV as a channel. It's going to be just like Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so name. We can't talk about that. Uh, no. I don't think there is a name yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, like expected, time of arrival. I don't know. A TV moves like at a different pace than I think. Um, you know, we're used to. I think that, you know, it's not like the internet where we can just be like, oh, like it's gonna be up next week. Um, right. So I think that but, we're- But being a part of um, the culture and realizing that uh, attaching yourself to like this major mainstream thing, 
Do you feel like, I mean, because you see it in rap music all the time, like with, when they're free agents, they can do whatever they want, they can release mixtapes yeah, however many times yeah, they yeah. want, but then they get with the machine, and then it's more structured, it's more, you know, they, they can't do whatever they want. Do you right. guys fear that at all, or have you guys ever been given complete autonomy up until this point? Well, so far, like, we've had no problems. Um, you know, MTV, in the first phone call, they said, we want this show that we bought. And that had been, like, eight months beforehand, so we had to remind them what that was. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's um, I don't know, I, I think that MTV is in a place where they're looking for authentic sort of shows. And I think that we're able to deliver that. Yeah, yeah. and um, so w we had the currency episode, and we talked about when he first met Wiz, right? Wait, why did he only get snacks, by the way? Did you guys ever? Oh, uh, because we wanted to do that on purpose. Like, usually we try to theme things with him, and we're yeah. like, all right, well. Because oh, he has the munchies. Yeah, yeah, the munchies. Gotcha. All right, all right, yeah. all right. I think I missed that. No, all good. Uh, so we talked about, like, when he first met Wiz, right? And and they made a conscious decision to go, like, to work together, but to go in different paths towards their, like, relative stardom, right? He was like, I want to be my own planet, right. Wiz. And currency's like, I'd rather like be cool with a cult audience, go home and like, you know, wrench on cars and hang out and be able to like hang out in my city. Wiz wants to be a superstar. I think uh, Wiz works with Atlantic Records pretty successfully understanding that whole thing. Right. I think if you're an artist in 2015, if you fight the system so badly, it's not really gonna be helpful. If you have a good relationship with people and know that they have your best interests at heart, you could probably get somewhere. Um, if if those people understand what they're doing, right? So not every record company is the same, but I think that us going to MTV, we see it as a big platform and a lot of opportunities for us to spread the proper message, for us to represent the culture in the right way and to build upon what has been built before us. Yeah. So so going into this new, I guess, um, situation for you guys, who, who's helping coach you through it? Uh, so right now we have two showrunners um, because there's two of us and we didn't want there to be like this triangular sort of thing where if I uh, agree with the showrunner, then Eric wants to move out. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there are these two guys, um, Dan Cohen and uh, Jeremy um, Miller. Miller. I almost blanked out his last name. Um, and uh, they have a long history in TV. Um, they've worked on a bunch of different shows and and they get us, and they get the message we're trying to put across, and they've been really good. Essentially, they're like editors, you know? They're just like, you know what, this can go longer, this is more important, let's stay on that theme. And they're really, what's really cool is that they're a buffer between us and- The network. The network. Yeah. So like, they leave us off emails, and we're just able to create, yeah. which is all we ever wanted. So like, when we switched management, when we got agents, we were like, you guys can handle business, and we don't have to worry about like all of the small little things anymore. Perfect. That's you know wonderful. How who you guys have done so many different things. How do you know when to call it quits? And then now this new thing that you're gonna do is it gonna affect the waste of time? Or do you guys feel like you can do both simultaneously? Uh, good question. Our uh, we, I feel like you guys do these things like yeah. you know you give it an amount of time yeah. and it's like. Yeah, not necessarily on to the next one. Maybe you want to experience bit. some different things. <laughs> yeah, basically every time that we do anything that's successful, um, we get we, we stop it <laughs> and we do something else. Like yeah. I said, we're terrible businessmen. We'd like to say we're like those like uh, those artists who paint with sand and then blow it away because it's all about the process. Like that's that's what we are. <laughs> but uh, I think that so we our, our scripted agent um, was like, you know what? 
this is gonna be a lot, you guys should really like figure out how you're gonna handle your time. We sort of, we're hoping that we can continue to sort of bank episodes, mm -hmm. just record a whole bunch, hold them off, and then put them out with evergreen content. So it's not necessarily timely, and we're not, you know, editing and, I mean, we're also guys who just like to do everything. You know, like we, we plan on having a music career, we plan on having the podcast, we plan on having the TV stuff. Um, you know, we plan on, I don't know. If Joe Budden can be on TV and do music and do podcasting, we can do those three things. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as we appeal to sad teens just like he does, right. then I think that we're both good. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do each of you feel the, the strongest about of the things that you do? Because like my boy Jared, yeah, he's here. But like we've been in bands and stuff together. We've, yeah. worked, we've worked extensively together on different things. And, and we identified different things about strongest creative moments. Like, what what do you guys? Um, I, I think we both agree that all these things play a part in what the TV show will be. The TV show is the big domino, right? Like that helps everything. I do think that each thing is essential in keeping us out there and playing a vital part in what the TV show will be. So um, I think they're all important, but obviously the TV show is the biggest. I agree with everything that Eric said, and I also just want to say that today I wrote a piece for um, Vice all about uh, DJ Khaled's um, Snapchat and how I've lost my last six weeks um, because I've just been living DJ Khaled's Snapchat life instead of mine. <laughs> I had someone um, ask me to Snapchat something for them, and I just, I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I, well, you're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, I recently just joined Snapchat, and I'm just like, all right, it's, it's it's whatever, right. you know? Yeah, I mean, me and my boy had a conversation about this like two weeks ago. Like, I, I just don't understand. There's part of me that feels that like I joined just in time for something new to pop off and I'll have to just, like join that and forget about Instagram and, you know, and then yeah. Snapchat, whatever. <laughs> um, but by the way, we, we should mention that uh, we love the podcast. We think that we have a, a specific voice. We're doing something different than everyone else. Yeah. We think our music is definitely different than what anyone else is doing. And we think that, that the TV show and the interviews, like all the stuff is just different and specific to us. And we feel as long as we can like make it happen and do it differently from everyone else. Cause when we started doing, when we started doing the interviews for MTV where we interviewed everyone from like Stevie Wonder to um, Vinny from Jersey Shore, right? Um, just legends, yeah. legends on both fronts. You know, Stevie Wonder <laughs> and Vinny Guadagnino. That's right. Um, unforgettable. Um, I think that they both won Kennedy Center honors. Pretty sure. <laughs> yes. So, but when we started doing those interviews, MTV was just like, "You guys want to? Do you want to do this with us?" And we're like, "Not really. We're not journalists. We're not going to ask like you know hard hitting questions or whatever." And we decided, look, we're going to do it our way. So we did the the gunshots and the AKAs and asking questions that may not have necessarily had like real answers like on red carpets. Yeah, like we were like we interviewed Rick Ross on the BET. Um, uh, Hip-hop. Hip-hop awards. awards in 2012, I think, right? And Rick Ross comes up, and I'm just like, hey, Ross, what's your favorite bird? And he was just like, uh, woodpecker. Shout out to the woodpecker. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, Jeff, what's your favorite bird? A basketball wife. Oh, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> and then you just see, like, Rick Ross, like, crumple because he's laughing so hard. So we were, like, going to ask questions like that. But, by the way, if MTV didn't like that, then we were just like, well, screw it. Like, right. we don't have to do this. And so they... It, just so happened they loved it and it took off and people watched the episodes and that was good. Oh yeah, I guess MTV was aware of like those interviews. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they weren't like, you know, they, they weren't looking through like knob right archives like, right. oh my God, like you guys really got 
uh, you know, the clips on your show, uh, they're, they're not no Malice fans. <laughs> and what's up with um, Jepson? Is that, is that Oh, Jensen? Jensen. Jensen. Yeah. Um, he has a book coming out. He has a, um, a, a couple of podcasts that are doing well. Um, one for The Bachelor or Bachelorette or something, and one about uh, yeah, Get Up On This. So he's, he's doing really well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, oh, I asked you guys about music earlier. What, what kind of arguments do you guys have? Because Watsi was talking about his mom and dad, Nas and Jay-Z. Um, do you guys have a similar bickering about things that you feel strongly about? No, we, honestly, we like a lot of the same music, and um, so it's a lot of, you know, French Montana, and it's a lot of, like, chinks, and a lot of, um, oh, right now, it's a good thing we get along and like the same music, because all we play in our apartment no, is, you play. all I play in the apartment. Wait, wait, please don't say Bryce until it. it no, 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 no. no. It's, what are we, thoughts? I know. <laughs> 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 no, we listen to Yo Gotti's Down in the DM. Oh, okay. Strictly. Uh, <laughs> the greatest. It is the greatest song. Um, no, I think we both like similar music, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, man, that really threw me for a loop with the Bryson Tiller thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I've just been having a lot good, of banter like, back and forth yeah. with like a couple of my friends about it. Like, I recognize that it's, it's, it's good, but like to me it's not the hype. You know what I mean? It's it, not for me. It's not like this. this like you know, like I feel like every few years there's like this transcendent artist that sort of shifts the entire culture. Yeah. So like you know, two thousand and uh, two thousand, you know, Fifty Cent. Uh, you know, two thousand four or two thousand three, um, Kanye, and then like um, uh, Drake was two thousand seven, eight. Yo, your years? Your years are crazy right now. <laughs> Wait, yo, lots of 50, 50 may have been recording in the year 2000, but he didn't pop off then. I mean, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That was his first album, but I'm saying like he started putting out mixtapes, and he's like, "You guys are all garbage." <laughs> <laughs> those are those are all quality years. <laughs> um, it's because um, I'm just turning on all of you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> I don't want to keep you guys too long, but I guess I'll end it with this. Um, one of the best podcasts out right now is um, Tax Season. Yeah, yeah. And you guys will be on there tomorrow. Yes, sir. So can you share a little preview? Like, uh, Yeah, we... I mean, <laughs> so, uh, look, look, we're, we're so uh, amazed. We talked about that on, on our podcast this week with um, Laura Stiles and Mr. Flawless about... Cause, uh, we become real, like real life friends with people like Bun B and Just Blaze and DJ Enough and uh, on and on, Green Lantern and, and executives and artists of like Cameron, Cameron, like like our favorite rapper growing up, like is a friend of ours. Every time he sees us, he's just like, "Yo, Sal Harlem," and we're just like, <laughs> "Yeah," like you know. And then he asks how our moms do. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we ran with that. We did this Beats by Dre. Um, Photo shoot, like, you know, the locks were in, Justine Sky, and all, all these. First, first straight out of Yeah, first straight out of content. And uh, they said straight out of, and we said the Upper West Side, and we're like, damn it, we really should have said straight out of South Harlem. Oh, it would have been yeah. so much better. But anyway, um, we're, we're, we're friends with all these people, and it's it's hard to really, you know, believe that, that this is a real thing. Um, and I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Oh, about that, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so okay, uh, the first time we ever met Just Blaze, 
we were at a, we were at a birthday party and we're like, yo, and he was like, oh my God, it's the real. And we're just like, this is nuts. And he's like, you should come through to Baseline and hang out. And we're just like, I can't believe this is happening. We're gonna sit in the same studio that Jay recorded at and, and Beanie Siegel and Freeway and like be in this like aura and everything. And we ended up with Just Blaze talking about, spent the whole night talking about 90s terms that don't like really exist in Right, so like the difference between uh, someone saying word and word up, like if you say word up, you're automatically 45 years old. Like you are, you are so old. Um, and then, uh, by the way, when we went over there, um, we went and the receptionist who buzzes us in, um, we walk in and we look behind the desk and it's Saigon and we're like, why are you behind the desk? Like you, is it, is it that tough right now? Um, but. So, so we, we bring that up to, to Tax, and he was just like, well, first time I met... Uh, no, first time I went to uh, Baseline. No, the first time he met Just Blaze, because he said this in the, in the, in the yeah. tweet yesterday. He's like, first time I met Just Blaze, I went to Baseline as well. We're like, oh, cool. He was like, I was going to go clap somebody. We're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a little different. And, he's like, and, then, and then he didn't because the guy complimented his jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, well... You win. <laughs> but yeah, you should subscribe to Tax Stone's podcast, Tax Season. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, for sure. And we had them on ours. And like, we like this cool, I, I don't know, it's, it's pretty fun having like, you know, different guys on different podcasts. Like, we appreciate this and think that it's pretty cool to sort of create this community where it's just like, hey, we're all of a sim similar stature and we all have stories and it doesn't just have to be like, you know, the biggest, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily Ross going to every single podcast and getting the same one. Uh, you find yeah, out I mean, and you know, I I like I don't think the only way you can contribute to the culture is if you sell a lot of records or it helps. If, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or or if you're actually the rapper, you know what I mean? I like to see how the call works or who put the call together or you know what I mean? So yeah. those things are attractive to me. So yeah. um yeah, and you guys do that same thing, you know what I mean? Where it's like, yo, it's not only necessarily the biggest. I mean, you guys have had the biggest, mm -hmm. so you guys are knocking it out uh, for multiple angles. But thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, thank you for coming through. Thanks I'm for having us. Guys much longer. Thank you guys for coming out. Right, but I can't just yeah, I, can. I can't just have him here uh, doing walk on music. But he's actually gonna send us home with with something. Um, we talked about it, but maybe he changed his mind about what he's gonna provide for us tonight. Um, so uh, he doesn't remember what. No, I I remember. I remember. I remember. Oh, you don't remember. Medicine? No. Oh, you don't do that. Oh, all right. I mean, that was like four a.m. yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah. Great, let's get some. Yeah, and, and thank you to my good friend Joel. Um, I actually don't meet, uh, make friends, right? So I have my friends jo uh, Anthony and, and Jared here, right? And I've known them for more than 10 years. So like Joel is actually like my first new friend as an adult. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, he, he linked me with, um, with, with Aki. They're, they're really good friends. And um, yeah, so Aki's gonna take us home with Medicine? Not med just friends, medicine? Med medicine? Which one do you want? Oh, you shit, like, oh man, they're both really good, man. 
Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Just friends. Just friends. Let's, let's go. Just friends. All right. As long as you pick the copyright. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, medicine. No. no, no, no. That's um, ladies and gentlemen, Aki with me. I wish they would sue me. <laughs> okay. I 
Thank you, everybody. Um, again, Aki Bamis, and you know, um, I've been doing this a little less than a year, man. It's just like, it's just a good feeling that you guys all came out to support, man. I definitely appreciate it. Have a good night.